If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Wow, it's the three-year anniversary of the Completely Unnecessary Podcast. Yay, Ian. Woo! And today is Tuesday, August 30th, 2016. Yeah, he's Ian. Howdy. I'm Pat, barely. We got a cool podcast for you. Another three years coming at you. Or I'll go crazy trying. Talking about No Man's Sky losing 90% of its players. What? Uh, 50 minutes of Star Citizen footage. Slim PS4 coming out in September. Canceled GoldenEye Xbox Remastered. A WWE wrestling update. We haven't done that in a long while. Your Q&A. But first, we got some sponsors, Ian. We sure do. Uh, The first is ArcadeWorks, the maker of the Omega Entertainment Machine. Hands down, the best way to play Neo Geo arcade games from the comfort of your own couch. Sporting a design inspired by the legendary home system, the Omega utilizes the low-cost MVS format to finally put Neo Geo gaming within financial reach. Each Omega ships with the latest Unibios, and the optional VMC upgrade lets players save their progress and high scores. So get yours today at ArcadeWorks.net. Use coupon code Omega now for $10 off the purchase of an Omega Entertainment Machine. Looking for gear, collectibles, houseware, and more for your favorite pop culture franchises? Loot Crate's got you covered. Loot Crate offers a range of geeking gamer items for less than 20 bucks a month. Want to bring your loot to the next level? Get a bigger box with even more bigger loot with Loot Crate DX. If you're more the type to wear your geeky heart on your sleeve, then there's Loot Wear Eam, the monthly wearables and accessory subscription, if that's what you're looking for. Go to uh, LootCrate.com slash Pat and enter code PAT to save 10% on any new Loot Crate sign-up. September's theme is speed. It's going to feature lots of stuff from Batman, CW's The Flash, and Arrow, Battlestar Galactica, Iron Man, and God in 60 Seconds. It's a little bit of a throwback. They're doing a remake? If you have a style need, you'll love the Speed Loot Wear Collection featuring Sonic the Hedgehog socks for when you got to go fast. <laughs> A Transformers wearable for your world-saving needs, a winning Mario Kart tee, and more. The Lootware collection is going to zoom away quick. Oh, I see what they did there. You have until the 19th of September at 9 p.m. Pacific to subscribe and receive the Speed Crate. And after that cutoff, it's gone. So, yeah, it's LootCrate.com slash Pat. Enter code Pat to save 10% on any Loot Crate sign-up. And Pat and, Pat and Ian. <laughs> yeah. Ian, we got an old, old favorite returning. Hey guys, Jerry here from Embraceware. We're inviting anyone interested in providing us with feedback on upcoming games we're working on to check us out on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We're at slash Embraceware on each. We post screenshots of games and apps that are in development, welcome beta testers, and we often give away redeem codes. We look forward to hearing from you. Yay! Thanks, Jerry. So, Ian, what's been going on in your world? It's been really, really hectic. Um, 
So, Luna Video Games is, I can finally say, uh, I haven't been too specific about it, but the Ocean Beach store, uh, we've been in Ocean Beach for 14 years. Um, we started in a really small location, that's where I met Pat, moved to a larger one, um, and we're relocating that store to Chula Vista. Uh, for those who don't live in San Diego, that's closer to the border. Um, it's becoming a, a larger commercial district. Um, lots of shopping and stuff down there, and it's a, it's a growing area. Uh, we're leaving OB as much as we love it because the commercial district in OB is slowly becoming nothing but restaurants and breweries. And uh, while we do well there, we don't want to necessarily, you know, um, you know, sign a lease and in three years' time be, you know, the only commercial oh, shop, yeah. you know, surrounded by restaurants and bars. Well, it would be a little weird. Um, I think a lot of them are moving to Liberty Station, actually. Yeah, it's it's true. Pat's, Pat's right about that. So um, we're moving. We're, we've got a cool spot. It's, uh, you know, two, two separate rooms uh, separated by a small staircase, one raised. Uh, I think there's a lot of cool things we can do with Airflow. it. Airflow. Uh, airflow, a yep. back door, a fire. Uh, yep, yep. A door uh, that's not going to be against the uh, fire and, safety. And the, the, the big thing is, is a uh, you know on-site parking, um, which we have at our La Mesa location, which isn't going anywhere. That serves fantastic. But we'll have on-site parking for this new location, um, which we didn't in Ocean Beach. And in the summer, that's a huge pain for customers. Sure. So um, we're really excited about it. Um, but that means. You know, the past uh, couple of weeks has been insane. Um, all I've been able to think about and do is work, um, you know, busting down the back room and packing it up. Um, Saturday was our last day of business at that location. And, you know, by a quarter of the way through the day, I was already tearing down um, and packing the front room. Um, you find my final fight? Uh, no. No, I did say not. Say CD <laughs> box manual? No. Um, coinciding with that, though, interestingly... Um, you know, for mental health reasons and, you know, potentially some things that we have coming up uh, between Pat and I. Um, uh, this is actually my first four-day week at uh, Luna, which is a big deal. Um, I've been at Luna for 10 years, really, just about this month. Um, I am basically relinquishing my manager position there. Um, I will still be doing some managerial duties until some things get smoothed out, but... Uh, I think it's going to be better for me in the long run mentally. Um, customer service, I mean, Luna's probably the best customer service job I've ever had. Uh, it's probably the coolest one I could get. Um, but at the end of the day... It's still customer service. It's still though. customer service. It's still retail, and it's definitely taken a toll on me. I have not been great lately mentally, and uh, it would be silly. It's not all Luna. It's not all customer service, but it would silly. It'd be silly of me to think that that's not part of it. So... Um, I'm looking forward to seeing what this will do to me, but I'm I'm glad to still be part of Luna, and uh, you know to still be part of that team. I was uh, in customer service my first well, three or four jobs. Supermarket, awful. Uh, library, not as bad in college. Um, and then the worst one was Suncoast Motion Picture Company, which you'll love my stories. I've them all. a lot. Yeah. Rest in hell, Suncoast Motion Picture Company. <laughs> And uh, yeah, it's draining. You got to deal with people. It's not, it's not even just the unreasonable people or people that are trying to steal or trying to scam you or people that are rude. It's just the grind of, you know, it is tough being nice to everyone constantly. It is. It, it takes energy to do things like that um, and to try to put your best foot forward, even if you're not feeling in a good mood. And besides all the other pain that happens, and obviously around Christmas time it gets rough and you know everything else, Thanksgiving. 
you know, it's, and it's bad because you, you don't have your own schedule around the, uh, the holidays usually. You know, you can't make your own time. No. It depends upon, that's where, that's where the, that's where the company or store makes most of their money is around the holidays. So, and I, and I love you know I love my good regulars and I love my my great customers. Even when I'm in a bad mood, you know it's nice to see a friendly face. But still, I got to put on that show, and that gets that gets hard to do. So, so yes, Ian actually hates all of you. So no, no it's just you know I mean it's it, it, it's hard to be happy and chirpy when you're when you're not. So sure. Uh, I'm I'm only losing my mind a little bit because the uh, the book's ready to get shipped out. Uh, any day now, like it's at the warehouse, but they have to start shipping it. So hopefully, hopefully by the time you hear this, they, they're, they're going to start to ship them, or else I might make, take a drive out, out to the warehouse across the country um, to do that. Play uh, someone like an accordion. <laughs> bring out Frank and me. Frank will be like, yeah, let's bring a piece of PVC pipe. <laughs> that's, always his, that's always his weapon du jour when he's threatening PVC violence. piping. PVC pipe. Yeah, it's light. It can kill. You know, still kill you. You know. I was going to say whip crack. It's real, yeah. real fast. Um, the app's coming, hopefully in September. Uh, there's a new Ask Frank that just came out. Uh, I'm still editing a Pat the Aeneas Punk video. That'll hopefully get up before I'm dead, because I only shot it about, I don't know, three months ago at this point. Uh, so that'll come at me. I shouldn't say that. Uh, <laughs> but I'll be at two conventions coming up. Video Game Con in New Jersey. My my old stomping grounds. Uh, Parsippany, New Jersey, September 10th and 11th. And Retropalooza. Which I think it's my third Retropalooza. And that's going to be October 1st and 2nd in Arlington, uh, Texas, and those are at their websites, videogamecon.com and retrovalooza.com. So let's get right into it. Ian, you did a hearty, hearty No Man's Sky review last time. It, it blew up on the internet, your review. I, it I did. absolutely went nuts. Uh, some people at the time were maybe justifiably or non-justifiably talking about the, the elements of the game that were not included that have been uh, publicized since on many threads or Reddit threads have been taken down. Other people have been talking about claiming false advertising. Now, I'm not sure if this is connected or not, but there's a report that No Man's Sky, at least on the PC, has already lost 90% of its players. And I, and I don't I don't doubt that it has, especially on PC. This this chart that was uh, posted on Reddit seems to imply that uh, if you look closely at the, the lettering on the left, it seems that it's from the Steam database. Um uh, and I think a lot of people misinterpreted my review, at least in the comments section. I don't think they listened to it all the way through because I clearly stated that if anything that I said in the review did not sound appealing, and I said a lot of things that probably did not sound appealing, that to absolutely not buy it. Um, and overall, uh, without data that is necessarily uh, PS4 inclusive, I would not be surprised if there are a lot of people who bought No Man's Sky at launch who are not still playing it. Um, I am. I, I'm still enjoying it for what it is. Uh, it's a game that I still play at night when I need to unwind. Um, Vonnie enjoys watching it. And even though, yeah, a lot of the plants are the same, I still enjoy, or similar, I do still enjoy landing and exploring. Uh, it's not the game that a lot of people wanted it to be. However, that does not mean it is without its faults. Uh, it definitely begins to feel aimless. Um... Let's talk about the the stats though on here. Sure. So when it launched, uh, we're talking August what thirteenth? Is that it? it oh, well, for the PC, it launched on August twelfth. Okay, so this is when the stats started coming out. Yeah, August thirteenth. Um, looks like the number of owners of the game roughly around seven hundred seventy-two thousand, or let's just say seven hundred fifty thousand, something like that. Um, then the number of players from this chart that were still playing it as of August twenty-fourth 
was only twenty five thousand. Yeah, it was inexcusably buggy as fuck when it came out. But that's a, a, a enormous drop off sure. in only two weeks for a, a game that was uh, built either built up rightfully or wrongfully so. I mean, hell, I mean, Sony pushed the hell out of it. Oh, Sony sure know. did. So, I mean, this is a game that for years was talked about. So it was going to be a huge deal. So for it to drop off the face of the earth like this. And we don't know if it's the same for PS4 or not. I'm assuming there was a drop-off, maybe not 90% or more, but something. This is a big deal. Uh, I can't think of the last time a game dropped this quickly, where people said, I'm not playing this huge game. Like, this this, this amount, I guess, of disappointment, you could say, like, like either because they think it was false advertising, which we'll get into, or because maybe they just realized this isn't a game for me. Maybe, this, maybe I didn't want a game like this after, after thinking I did for literally a, a few years. I, I think it could be... A combination of both. Uh, I think even with thing elements in it that, or, or things that that were not in it that were um, supposed to be there, uh, like like better space combat. Um, I still think the general exploratory nature of the game, which was kind of always promised to be the focus, I think there were a lot of people who maybe landed and realized that they did not want to be planet researchers scanning flora and fauna they didn't want a prettier looking almost minecraft of just like putting together well you're not really putting together anything i mean it's it's literally you're you're mixing minerals you find and things like that you're crafting you're crafting yeah but you're crafting really basic things to you know refuel your shift and what ships and whatnot you're basically playing a space biologist is what you're doing which people weren't expecting i don't think they were expecting it to the degree that it happened like I said, at, at no point here am I saying people should not be disappointed with it if they were going in with different notions about the game. So there was a Reddit post, uh, I think at least two or three days after it came out, that long post, it was been taken down, but now it's at onemanslie.info, uh, the, the original post. I'm not sure why it was taken down. Uh, but detailing all the things that were either promised in the game via screenshots uh, what Sean Murray, the the, the main head, uh, talking about them, uh, or shown in past videos, and some I actually remember while I was reading this list. So I'm going to go through some of them. You can comment about uh, on if these are reasonable or not. Yeah, no, go ahead. The loss of planetary physics, which are said to govern many different systems, seemingly in a cascading effect from the top down. That's, super, super bummer. Uh, retooling of ships to make them all functionally identical rather than having different classes. One different of my classes. biggest problems with the game. The, the reworking of uh, factions, uh, I guess that means alien factions, from something with broader significance into the very simplistic system we have now. Um, doesn't bother me as much as it probably should. I can see that being an issue with others. Resource distribution following none of the rules that were spoken of. Instead, resource variety is more shallow than we've been led to believe, so distribution was seemingly homogenized regardless of planet-based factors, likely an effect of the loss of planetary physics. This also had a knock-on effect for trading, which was trivialized by the East in which most resources could be found, and also crafting, which went from something Sean hoped would be community-driven, a la Minecraft, uh, to something that could be done through recipes the game must teach you before you actually can use. Um, and this is this is just the start of it, but there's links to all these, to YouTube clips and pictures that back up and support all these changes in the game. Uh, there's a lot more, which I won't get into. I'm just going to comment on the ones that I saw, I remember, uh, like coming down from, a, uh, rising from a planet after all this cool exploration, and you come up and there's a huge space battle going on. Lots of little ships and warships and lasers going back and forth. You do still see that. You do. You do. Yes, that still happens. It's just, it, it's not as exciting as you think it would be. No, you can literally fly up and you can literally lift up 
and there's a distress beacon, and you follow it, and you do. You see ships swarming a larger battleship, okay. and you you choose to get involved. The problem is you don't really know which side it is, so you don't know which side you necessarily want to is, be on. Is it a random event, or is it scripted? or Most everything in the game is a randomized event. So, so they have randomized... They do have randomized battles. That can yeah, and certain star systems seem to be more combat-heavy than others. Like, I was stuck in one for a while that I found interesting where I was being hostile, scanned constantly, and there were... It did seem to be like there were more of these battles. Um, the other big one I saw was they promised, or at least there was tons of video of huge dinosaur-sized, brontosaurus-sized creatures in the game. I haven't really seen anything beyond, like, elephant-sized. People are saying they haven't f- found those... Big sort of creatures. No, no, I, and I, I, at this point, firmly believe that those don't exist, and that's a bummer. And people are, are saying that there, there's very few, I guess, like uh, river and lake systems in the game that they come across. Um, I found very few. Few, yes, I did find a planet that was mostly water and islands, and that was very cool to find. Um, something that is more of a bummer to me, and this is going to sound maybe kind of lame, is I found a very cool planet that was a lot of water, another one that was a lot of water, that has lots of really cool arches, rock arches and stuff that look like almost like root tendrils going all over the planet. Um, but you can't like take your ship down and fly through them, which would have been really cool. As soon as you go to fly through it, now if you were to park the ship, get off, you could walk all around these things, but I can't actually fly my ship through them and do anything like okay. cool. I can't like be a space pilot, you know, navigating through these things. Uh, a few more. Landing on asteroids. Uh, no. The, I mean, asteroids are tiny, and you shoot them to mine resources. Destroying space stations and fleets. Uh, that I don't believe you can do. Uh, giant fleets of ships. I don't know what uh, giant visually. Means. Yes, uh, for any real purpose, uh, not not to my knowledge. Large f- freighters actually moving instead of sitting around. They seem to sit. Um, scanning planets from orbit. Was it? Uh, looks like it. Looks like okay. It, it is in the game. Okay. Yeah, that's in the game. So, but the, a lot of this stuff it sounds like just was never never incorporating. Um, tra- trade ships docking with freighters. Faction alliances with significance. Large scale joinable space. Yeah, I, I was kind of pissed at first. I thought faction alliance would seem to mean something, and it doesn't really seem to mean anything other than, other than it. I felt like it affected my ability to get better prices at first, but it doesn't seem to. NPC ships launching from the ground, in atmosphere freighters with battling. Um, so Mm-mm. there's a lot more uh, ringed planets, sand planets. Planets rotating and orbiting around a sun. Nope, uh, nope. The technical possibility of flying between star systems manually. Uh, so again, not all this stuff was, was said to, to firmly exist, but a lot of this stuff was in either screenshots or was in prior gameplay videos or over the past few years. Uh, naming ships. More natural flight characteristics. The fact that you can fucking name everything but your ship uh, kind of infuriates me. <laughs> I'm not going to lie about Resources that. depending upon distance from sun, environmental factors. Well, there, uh, there's no real sun, so... No. The, the ability to play the game solely as a trade a trader or solely in space. Uh, crafting that has complexity, that's probably... Well, I haven't played enough to... That's what it. I said, there is no complexity uh, to crafting. Find elements by checking galactic map. Uh... Animals and plants that eat meat. This seems to be in the game. I've definitely seen the pics definitely in the game. Okay, so maybe that's in there. Large creatures affecting the landscape. Creatures doing things they don't do in the game. 
Uh, so I guess there's pictures of, or video of the creature. Of the creature behavior is uh, either attack you or scurry around or get scared of you. Let's see portals, etc., in the game, but not, but not activated yet. There's large structures uh, that are currently in the game. Sentinels in large packs. Uh, ambient Walker Sentinels. Whoa, what, what's that source? Is that a picture? That'd be cool as hell to see walkers in the game. Oh, that was a video. So yeah, it's in a video. Yeah. It was a it was gameplay from December fifth, two thousand fourteen, uh, on Hello Games. So this is the point. Before there's lots of shit not in the game that was shown previously. So what does this mean? Does this mean that like they wanted to do this? Did Sony become involved at that point to save money into publishing this? And it was like, we want this game out at a certain time, and that's it. We, you don't have time to put this rest of this stuff in. It's uh, it's possible. Was, or, it, was it just pie in the sky stuff that they should never have showed, and they realized we can't really pull this off on a large scale other than in our demos? It could you be know? that this guy is the new Peter Molyneux, which is what a lot of people are comparing him to. Um, he's that guy that you... I don't think he necessarily knew who he was. He was the guy, remember, the guy with the cube fucking tapping game? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay, he's the guy who created the Fable series. Um, it, he was the scapegoat for... Pi, I mean, not scapegoat, because he really... I mean, he was the same way. He was the poster boy for pie-in-the-sky ideas that never played out the way that uh, they were hyped up to prior. And this is basically the new version of it. Which doesn't mean that people did not enjoy the Fable games. Because people sure. did. Some people did. Uh, Fable 1 and Fable 2. Fable 3 was a universal disaster. Um, it, which is to say, because I have a lot of friends who are playing um, No Man's Sky. All of them on PS4, by the way. None of them on PC. Um, who are enjoying the game, once again, like I said, for what it is. Most of these people who are playing it and enjoying it are people who do not follow games closely. I have to emphasize that. Just like when I see a game that I'm interested in, I kind of go on a media blackout of it. Most of this stuff that is discussed here, I, did, I never saw. You never I, saw. I never saw or heard about it, so I wasn't expecting it, um, which definitely changes how I'm going to approach the game, which obviously uh, affected how I feel about the game in the end. Sure. Um, but like I said from but, day one... But, if, that's, but if you bought the game for many of these reasons, if you looked at this, a lot of these elements would make it more like a privateer type of game or freelancer. Oh, sure. you, would, you, would be, you could see how these people would be disappointed. I never once said I, yeah. I don't see how these people are disappointed. Yeah. I mean, I said it in my review. I, I sure. said if, if I understand completely why these people so, are disappointed. So they're in trouble. Hello Games is in trouble because I think, I think this is going to get, get worse. Island is going to get better, and this is you know their first huge game out of the gate. You know, a lot of times you can you might have used up your goodwill uh, to this extent. A game that that sold this many copies, and you have a, this you have hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people disappointed by it. Um, I mean, people are talking about we can talk about the the refunds and what's going on. Some people claim that Steam was giving them uh, or making exceptions to its refund policy. Other people saying actually no, it's not. There's still the same refunds in place on Steam for this game. Some people are trying to claim that they can get refunds through false advertising. Other people are saying, no, it's not. You can't do that. So, either way, I think it's a bit of a mess right now. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and I don't know where you go from here. I don't know how many of these elements that are not in the game that were promised on some level can be put back into the game well, quickly I think, enough. I personally, think, I personally think that it's too late no matter what. And for the range of these, the only one that you can't complain about, which is the most unfortunate one, is that you know the lack of interacting with other players because the universe is so big in this game that it's hard to find other players to begin with. So the less people that are in it, if you if you drop ninety percent of your players in, in, a, in a universe that has eighteen quintillion planets, 
you know, you're never going to see anyone then. It, it'll be like us stealing aliens here. The universe is just no, too big. No one's ever going to find the Triceratops I named Treat Williams. How many How many players have you run into? No, zero. You don't run into players. You run into stuff named by other players. But you can find players, though. No, you can't. You don't. You don't. I. I. I from what I understand, you don't. Oh, have I thought find. I've seen you can run into other players. Uh, maybe. Maybe. It's just rare, though. Because it's so big. I've never seen anyone. Oh well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so I, ne- I never expected to see anyone. I thought you only could run into planets, systems, and uh, like creatures and plants that other people name. I once again see. This is what I mean, though. I. I that okay. I never expected to be able to do. Yeah, I mean, it's all in the same universe. You just got to find people. Sure. Right? But there's they're not out there. That, that's. I think it's it's an ambitious game on paper. But again, in practice, it's like what? What do we have here? Do we have a, a bunch of like I said off your view? Is this like sort of the the basis for how games might operate in the future as a starting point? Is this just basically a demo of great tools that can be used in better games in the future? Could be, and maybe that's maybe that's what, what the legacy is going to be. We had great games like this in the past on a smaller scale. Now we can see that we can do this on a larger scale. Maybe we need to rein it in a little bit, and we'll probably get something better in the future. Maybe this will go back... It, it won't be from Hello Games, though. Yeah, maybe we'll go back to the fact that, yeah, procedurally generated gameplay is fine, but you also need scripted events involved at a larger scale and more custom-created tools. But for a team of only 15 people making this game, you know, it's out of their hands. Yeah. Which brings us to the exact opposite of this. In a lot of ways, and similar to others... Uh, we'll, we'll t- let's talk about Star Citizen, which we haven't talked about in a while. So, Star Citizen, says, Star Citizen had its huge Kickstarter, what, 2012? Uh, did millions and millions and millions and millions and millions and millions. You know, we're talking overall, what, tens of millions of dollars into development, because people afterwards, after the original Kickstarter campaign, could still, you know, buy into the game and get ships to explore the various modules. So, if you, if you need familiarity with Star Citizen, Star Citizen is, uh, picture picture Privateer. Uh, picture a game like Freelancer. Picture a modern version of that where you're in space, you can do exploration, you can be a uh, space pirate, you get your own ship, you can be a trader, you can be a, a bounty hunter, you can be a mercenary, and there's storylines and planets involved in different alien races all going against each other. So Star Citizen is from Chris Roberts who was actually involved in some of those heralded franchises. He was involved with uh, Privateer, he was involved with Wing Commander, um, and now he's heading this game up. But this game is looking to do something different, and that is combining not just gameplay elements from stuff like Freelancer or Privateer or Wing Commander, air combat exploration. It's bringing you down to the planets in a way that No Man's Sky is attempting to do, but it's also incorporating other elements like getting out of your ship and going to first-person Listen. perspective. And that's where this game is hoping to uh, do something that has been done to the same extent before and combining different gameplay elements. And before, people thought that, well, this is you know, it's, this is great, but it's also pie in the sky. This it's way too ambitious. It's never going to come out. It's 2012. Um, all we've seen are separate building blocks that have not been attached together. Yeah, different modules that you can play. Oh, I can play the first-person pr- uh, shooter version. I can play this module where I'm on the ship or I'm in the space station, but at this point, to this point, there was no evidence that this was going to come together as a gameplay experience combining them. Until now, we got games. Gamescom rolls around, and uh, f- they roll out a 52-minute gameplay demo. And frankly, I was blown the fuck away. Uh, th- let's. Let, I I cannot. Let, th- this is something that's never been done in games before. I can say that with that without hyperbole. Hyperbole. This was nothing. 
uh, this was gameplay. I'll, I'll, do, I'll do the short version, then I'll do the long version. It, it goes from getting off your ship, flying around, getting off your ship, landing at a station, accepting a mission, walking inside a big station, talking to a guy, accepting a mission, walking back onto your ship, going up, going to the planet, basically hyperdriving or warping or portaling to the next planet, um, g- flying down to the planet, getting out... Oh, I'm skipping it. I'm skipping parts. Going on, a, Doing space combat, going inside a ship, getting outside your ship, going inside the ship, first person shooting inside the ship, getting uh, this... A black box. Getting like a black box... Getting this little hover bike, space bike, flying that from the, this destroyed ship into your own ship. That, by the way, a second compu- uh, human player is piloting. By the way, flying through that ship, going down to the planet, doing uh, uh, ground combat with vehicles and first-person shooter perspective. This is all one game, all with no loading in between. All with only very minor glitches. I think only one major one I saw. With the with the bike. With the bike disappearing from the perspective of the second player, and this was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. That they that they pulled it off, even for a fifty minute demo. But it was all being played in real time. Yep. Like something could have went horribly wrong, and it didn't. What interested me was the. Um the no shortcuts aspect, something that might sound as um, might sound mundane to some people, but the uh, the elevators being real, yes. um, lifting. It wasn't like you stepped into an elevator and it loaded up the next scene. The elevators, uh, they work. It it, it show it, it like it, it's it's all part of an actual structure. Or the part where the guy's in the ship and he just keeps rotating it around and around and around and around and, you know, the other player's standing outside and he's looking at him and yeah. you can see the ship so, rotating. And so it's- to get into more detail, so the, the first part of the demo is when they fly down to this planet and there's this, this base there. You know, it's like a futuristic sort of something designed out of, like, aliens or something, you know, where it's like big machinery or, you know, like yeah, that was actually, iron frames and stuff. It's cool. That was actually the first thing I thought of was, like, LV-426. Yeah. And then, so, again, there's two two human players playing it. There's a guy who's actually uh, piloting the ship, which has a cargo hold, and there's the other player that gets out. So, the player flying the ship was able to follow and track on the outside, the, the player inside the building walking around so much so that yeah he went to the window and actually waved at them. and you saw the two different perspectives of the guy in the cockpit looking at the guy waving at him which again like you said no cheating no shortcuts this is all one world inside the game that's fully interactive and so, i mean lot, i mean that's been done in mmos before but it, it it's just it's it's the seamlessness of all of it you know it's it's not it's it's not Here's a chunk of the map, and there's another chunk of the map, and there's another chunk. And then of the map. I'm gonna walk outside this base, walk up into my ship, yeah, and then into the cockpit, right? And then, f- so he walks out of the sh- he walks out of the out of the building, gets a mission. Then he walks into the, the ship and gets into the turret. So now he's in the turret mode on the back of the ship while his friends flying around. But at any time he could have just walked into the cockpit. Like that's incredible to me. Mm-hmm. These are these are two or three different games. Uh, somehow combined into one. Right. That's what's impressive about it. Sure. Um, then again, he goes. They go down. They get. So they fight off a, f- a few pirates. They have to retrieve this the black box or information from the ship. That's their mission. So the the second player, the one guy still piloting, the second player gets out into a spacesuit and then goes and he's in zero gravity, fighting a first person shooter perspective inside the ship. 
you know, and as a game, if it's just one game, you're like, who the hell cares, basically? Because, because hell, the new Call of Duty is going to do that same thing. Mm-hmm. But I sure as hell doubt Call of Duty is not going to have all these things connected. They'll have all, like, scripted elements to put you, oh, here's a scripted uh, cutscene, we're flying up, and now you get out of the ship, and now you do the first-person perspective shot. Uh, again, this is what's so impressive about this. It, like, when, when the guy was retri- retrieving these items, he, you know, he actually had to bring the items when he's down on the planet near the end. He has to grab the... And, hold the item and carry it to the ship and put it in to activate the next event which, spoilers, the end of them is three three or four ships coming down to uh, basically steal the cargo that they just retrieved from the planet. Yeah, the guy giving them the missions you know, be like, man, I'll take a look oh, at let me just see what you guys are you know, yeah. it's, it's it's a quintessential, you know screw job. So uh, I can't play this game because I will never stop playing it if I start to play it. I and mean, that's what it comes the channel becomes Star Citizen. Pat plays Star Citizen, or Pat and Ian play Star Citizen together. Because this is like this is literally my dream game. This is the game I've wanted forever. Whenever I read about games in the past after Privateer Two, I'm like, oh, they're doing Privateer Three online, and they cancel that. Then you hear about all these other games that do little elements here and there, but nothing that's put it all together like this is looking to do. And I think that's Again. kind of why I'm a, a, a No Man's Sky apologist. It doesn't really matter what it is. Space exploration yeah, games of any sort are kind of my favorite thing, and there's been. So few in 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 in, in recent years, and I, I'm sure that there are, are there are some on PC. But you have to remember, I'm I'm just recently a PC gamer again. So Star Citizen is very exciting. To again, me. again, this doesn't mean the game's coming out tomorrow. It probably will still will not come out for probably another year. Yeah, right? but if the, not longer. What this means is that this works. It's a proven concept that it works. They've combined all the elements together into this is what the game will be. Uh, and at this point, then it's just. Stitching it all together even more. I mean, hell, they, they've shot and recorded all the footage with Gary Oldman and whoever else they have, all the actors on this. That's all done. That's the easy shit. All, all the cut scenes and talking. That's the easy shit. The hard part is, is just getting all these gameplay elements to kiss and, and make out with each other, to put it nicely, I guess, you know, to, to marry them together. And I'm excited. And so, yeah, check out. It's 52 minutes of gameplay. Uh, I my mouth was not dropped, but I I couldn't look away for most of it. I just couldn't. Yeah, boarding. Uh, you flying to a space station, flying between planets, picking up missions, touching down on new worlds without transitions, but with also having enemies and cool uh, vehicles that you can man. And again, two players working together at the same time. Ian, would you be my pilot? I would. Or my wingman. Would you want to be the pilot or co-pilot? Co-pilot. I'm not very good at flying. Okay. Would be the guy going out and doing the missions? Sure. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you heard it here first. Star Citizen uh, YouTube channel 2017. So it's, uh, it's, it's been confirmed without being confirmed. Because it hasn't, I mean, Sony hasn't mentioned it, but, you know, uh, people, some people have broken street date. Um, and it's gotten in the journalist's hands that the uh, PlayStation 4 does have a slim model coming out in September. Lost some weight. And uh, a uh, UK journalist, uh, perhaps some other journalists, but the article that I'm sourcing um, has uh, was from a UK journalist who got their hands on it, uh, got their hands on a model and did a you know a review and a once over of the uh, the PS4 Slim. Um, long and short of it is, it's a smaller PlayStation 4. It does not have anything special in it. It does not do HDR. It does not have uh, 4K Blu-ray support. It is simply uh, smaller. It's about a third of the size smaller. Um, It's a little bit uh, thinner. um, And it runs cooler and quieter. Um, 
literally cooler, not figuratively. So yeah. It's not cool at all. <laughs> um, the controller is slightly different, which is kind of interesting. Um, the light on the front of the controller um, that is on the current controller that is occasionally used to denote what the uh, various things from health to, uh, you know, uh, player number, uh, certain things in certain games, um, that is absolutely freaking useless to anyone actually playing the system because you can't, you can't see it really on your controller. Mm-hmm. Now it has a strip along the top. So the new controllers are kind of cooler. So you can actually read this info now. That's, uh, the new controllers are kind of cool. Um, but other than that, oh, and it's easier to replace the hard drive. Other than that, this thing does absolutely nothing new. Um, it, to me, seems like a quick slapdash response to the uh, Xbox One S console. Um, this is their idea of a stopgap between um, the PlayStation 4 and the PlayStation 4 Neo, uh, similar to the Xbox One S and whatever Project Scorpio is really going to be next year. Mm-hmm. Um, in this instance... I mean, I, I find this to almost be an utterly useless piece of hardware unless you just want an Xbox or a, P, a PS4. Haven't gotten into the market yet. You know, the PS4 Neo doesn't appeal to you. Then obviously this is your, your, the one that you pick simply by nature of the fact that it runs cooler and, and is smaller. But if you want to go, I mean, you know, if you want to pit the hardware next to each other, the Xbox One S clearly blows us out of the water. And while I'm not a, a company loyalist or a fanboy, I am a PS4 guy by nature. The fact that I own a PS4, this is not, you know, Xbox fanboyism coming out and being like, rah, rah, the Xbox One S. But I just find that to be the much more attractive package here since it, it actually does something different than the Xbox One. Sure. So they're piggybacking each other now for who, who owns the tech war. That's basically what it comes down to. Right. So and Xbox One was slightly less powerful than the PS4. Now the One S is slightly more powerful than the than the PS4. The Neo will come out and be more powerful. The Scorpio will come out and be more powerful than that. And it's like, okay, I give up. And I guess I just don't care because I think regular listeners of the podcast at this point have have heard, I mean, whether I've outright said it or not, I mean, I think I have, but I'm, I really am just slowly leaning more towards PC. I just, I just. Why don't. wouldn't you not? Because this is just like now you're going to have new consoles every year, literally that outdo the, the previous one. And it's like, what, what is this? It's not like just a simple hardware upgrade. You have to upgrade your entire console every every other year. Now it's like, okay, the the, the, the laptop I just bought should hopefully last me about four or five years. I'm hoping, but now with the consoles, it's not even good enough anymore. Because remember, these consoles are only three years old, and yeah. I got to buy a new one. I mean, I, I love the, I do love the simplicity of. Um, you know, consoles, but really with Steam, I still have errors every once in a while with certain games, but it's not that hard. It's not how it used to be. I plug a controller in, I turn on Steam, I put it into big mode, and I sit down and I pick a game, and basically I take the HDMI cord out of my PS4, I plug it into my PC, and off I go, I'm playing games. And... For big AAA releases, I think I, f- I feel like I still default to you know something like a PS4. Sure. But I don't play a lot of AAA releases. I play a lot of smaller games, indie games, or at least less graphical intensive games. Anything with a, a, a hefty online element, I still don't really do on PC. So like King of Fighters 14, I don't think it ever even got a PC release. But you know that I want the online community. 
almost everything else I'm currently playing on 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 PC. Um, I just. I, I don't know. I, I, I'm moving away from this. There's, there's, this sort of shit really just fucking turns me well, off. Well, Sony might have done this just because we figured, okay, it's going to be costlier for us to produce this. So this will be this will replace the regular PS4. Sure. Maybe not so much a stopgap. Like, okay, we can have a marketing spin, but at the same time, it's less plastic for us. And in and, and three years, the cost of our hardware came down, so everyone wins. We can still probably charge, how much to be the Probably the same amount. Or so, right? I mean, it's going to be that much less or more. I don't know. So Sony's going to make more money uh, here, probably, because it's it's just less shit they're giving. What, it's two-thirds the size. Um, and then they can sort of counter, like you said, they're going to counter the 1S, even though in the reality it's not really a counter. It's just this wrapping paper. Right. Uh, but, yeah, Microsoft's already given up, the, given up the fact that we don't have console exclusives anymore going forward. Yeah. It's all going to be in Windows 10. So now we're down to one console with Nintendo that will have some console exclusives, but maybe not for long. I gave it... I get nearly three years, uh, Sony, before your your console exclusives have gone the way of the Dodo as well. The Nintendo will be left clinging to life uh, for their exclusive. For them, it'll work, though. Uh, yeah. All right. So if you haven't gotten a PS4 yet, go out and get the Slim. Otherwise, there's no reason to, is, is what Ian's trying to say, really. Yeah. There's absolutely no reason to at this point. Or get the 1S, because it's, it's like 5% more powerful. Or, or wait for the or, It's not more powerful, it just... Well, it, I, it depends on what you want by power. It does the uh, HDR. HDR. Alright. Okay. Alright. More powerful. Okay. You got more prettier colors. More contrast going on there. Moving on! <laughs> okay. This is a retro game selling topic that came to our attention shortly after we recorded the last podcast. Bear with me. Alright. So report on grr, reported on Reddit uh, originally. So I'm guessing this is out in the Midwest. There's uh, this this um, chain of uh, of stores. Not exactly Goodwill, but it's St. Vincent's. Uh, it's, it's a Catholic sort of thrift store chain that gives money back you know, to people in need. So this is strange. I never heard of this before ever. Because usually whether it's Goodwill... Salvation Army, Amvet, they get stuff in every week or two, they put it out on the shelves. So what St. Vincent's does is twice a year, they basically gather up, I guess, all their video game stuff, and then put it out on a single day for people to come and buy. Okay? And they do that with, I think they do that with, like, a Toys, and there's a record one that they do as well. Which which could be cool, I guess, if you want one a one day to shop for these things. So this is what happens when they advertise these. So this is not the first time I've done this, but I guess this is where it got to a breaking point. So people lined up outside these stores for hours and hours before they open. This time with the twist. This time people lining up at the store, and we'll focus on the few people in the, beginning, in the front of the line because that's who people are uh, yelling about. With big Tupperware tubs. So what these individuals are doing... We'll get into the morality of this later. What they are doing, when the stores open up, they rush in, and they're not being too discriminate about what they are picking up. They are basically taking everything they can find and throwing Sweeping it into the tub. In. <laughs> Big tub of games. 50 pounds of games here, folks. Uh, a few of these individuals that are working for one store, which we'll get into a second. So while they then have everything in their tub, it's like, this is my zone. These are my games. They can then sift through them at their own pace and realize, oh, this is a $1 game. Oh, this is a $20 game. I want this. And going through them at their own pace. Meanwhile, I'm guessing everyone behind them 
is left with nothing or shit to look at while they're just like hanging out and not knowing what to do. So this got the ire of lots of retro gamers and people that were at the store or, or excuse me, at St. Vincent's. Um, and there's a lot of ins, a lot of outs to this story. Yeah. So the people accused of, of doing this is based, and this is all in Wisconsin, by the way. It's Video Game Exchange based out of Madison, Wisconsin. So people were pissed. And people went to their Facebook page saying, oh, this is this guy's, this is a shitty thing you guys done. This isn't fair. What are you doing? Bad business practice. Not the best response. Allegedly, they went and shouted down people complaining and said, ha ha. Calling we, them crybabies. Look what we got you didn't. Posting their fines up on the page. Just everything in bad form. We know there's a way to do business, and this is how sometimes stuff like this gets done. But they were basically shoving it back into the people's faces that were complaining. At the end of the day, uh, they got some stuff. It looks like they got some N64s. They got some other games. Probably nothing extremely rare. I didn't analyze it completely. You know, they probably, you know, I, I don't know what St. Vincent's charges. I don't know if they charge by the game or by the pound. But, you know, they end up probably making a few hundred dollars at least in profit. Maybe four or five hundred dollars. I don't know. You know. That's probably a reasonable guess. Uh, but I'm not sure it was worth the bad press that Video Game Exchange got. No. Rightly or wrongly, from everyone that saw them do this. Uh, you know, there's pictures of them. People took pictures of them, incognito or not, with their tubs of games filled and going through them. Pictures of them standing in line. Um, now, now they responded. And they said, we weren't the only ones that had done this. Other people do the same thing. That's fine. But you're the target people chose because you're the ones that got in first. And I guess you're the ones that did it the most or have done it in the past. And people were either... There was a boiling point, or this was it. All I know is that when stuff like this happens in the retro collecting community, people know this sort of stuff goes on. They don't like it shoved in their, their face. face. That yeah, I think that's the that's pro- where it goes over the line for them. Where now we have and we we have a target we can go after that we don't like seeing it. Now we see you guys do it, and you guys are bragging about it. We don't like it. Yeah, um, this is what the business has become, unfortunately. Um, this is the business we chose. I, you know, the thing is, is uh, we've always kind of been unique in the fact that in the entire time that I've been doing this, we've never actually gone to sales or flea or markets swap to, or swap meets to pick up stock. We just have a, a really, we just have a really robust amount of trade-ins. Sometimes it gets overwhelming the amount of trade-ins we have, so we're lucky in that you way. We don't have to deal with this. We don't have to deal with this. Uh, I'm sure this sort of stuff goes on, and while it's really annoying, and I don't necessarily agree with it. Uh, I look. I know that it's cutthroat out there. This stuff happens, um, but yeah, I think it's the the reaction that is probably the most infuriating part to people. Um, you got to watch yourself. And what what what's I think more upsetting about it is, it, well, like I said, it's the reaction, and that's I think the turnoff because the the main article or the main post was from a guy who was real upset because he said he's gone to that store a bunch of times, said that everyone there was real nice, the owner was a real upstanding dude, had really good prices, um, you know, everything was on the up and up, blah, 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 blah. And, uh, you know, after reading about the story and seeing the responses, he was really like, he's like, I think I'm done. He's like, I think I'm done with that store. And... That's a shame, and I don't know. It's it's tough. You gotta you gotta watch how you handle yourself. 
Yeah, they, they hashtagged, a video game exchange Madison hashtagged, I guess, on their Facebook page, and people took a screenshot, St. Vinny video game super sale with their with what they got, which looks like, real quick, about about 13 and 64s, half of which had the expansion, a Super Nintendo, a uh, Sega Mesh System uh, power-based converter for Genesis. Looks like about, I don't know, 12 NES games. I can't make out all of them. I see a Super Dodgeball there. The picture can't really blow up. About 15 to 20 Super Nintendo games, about 10 N64 games, some Genesis games, that's what they got, two Game Boy Advance SPs, and, and a few Paper Mario, Mario Kart, uh, Double Dash, and something else except like for GameCube. So that's what they got. So like, again, yeah, they're probably going to make, I don't know what the, what the charge was, they'll make like $500, $600 profit. So if you're going to run a game store or any business, the, the difference between retro video games and, and, and anything else out there is that the source is all the same. You run a you run you run a mom and pop brick and mortar. Your source is in theory the same source that any customer can get their games at. There's no wholesale price for retro video games. There's no secret place they get them at anymore. They all come from individuals that, that own these games twenty or thirty years ago. Right. So it's a competitive nature. When you're competing with the store, it's a lot different than me going down to Target and saying, Well, I can buy this this washer and dryer elsewhere. You know, because it's new merchandise, and and that's where this rubs people the wrong way, because they're competing with the store that's going to then mark the stuff up immediately that they missed out on. It's a more visceral visceral reaction with retro video games than probably even anything else I could even think of. Obviously, there's stuff like re- record collectors do the same thing. There's art, but I think the way with retro video games are, I think it's just since there's so much more out there, there's so much more retro video games out there anymore than even old records, which have all dried up the past twenty. 20 years or so, or even, I don't know, vintage clothing, I guess it's not, it's not the same thing. There's not, a, there's not the abundance of these popping up the past few years like anything else. So people see their hobby changing, or have seen it change. They get mad at that, which I've gotten mad at the past, sometimes rightfully, sometimes probably wrongfully. But then they see their competitor right in their face do this. Right. This isn't the same as you or someone else owning a, a shop, someone else bringing in their Vectrex collection. That's a one-on-one thing. It's between them. There's nothing. There's no competition involved. With right. that, this is competition, and now that they think they're doing it dirty on top of it, it's not, not, it's not between two collectors. It's yeah. between. It's not. How do I put it? It's not collection between their peers. Yes. I guess it's it's between. It's between themselves and the people. It's between a freaking a charity a charity store basically too. I right. love it. It's it, So these. So this is like the worst case scenario probably for for a, a, a retro game store to do something like this. They're, they're not playing by... Well, there's no rules, but they're not playing by them in terms of the eyes of their collectors. They have these big, huge fucking tubs. I don't care if a couple other people are doing it. It's shitty. To me, it's shitty to do that. If you're going to get a tub of shit, take it off the shelves, you got to buy it. That's it, my, We'll get into that, but that's what I think it should happen. You, it's, it's two wrongs don't make a right. Yes. And I also think it's a very simple thing where St. Vincent de Paul goes, you can't bring in a container bigger than this size. Yeah, so actually, they've reached out to St. Vincent's who've responded nicely about, hey, this isn't this doesn't seem right. You guys should stand up for something a little bit better than this, blah, blah, blah. I mean, at the end of the day, St. Vincent's is getting money. The money's going to go towards a, a good cause right. or their church or whatever else. In theory, the same amount of money will be spent, but it's just how it looks to their customers. There shouldn't be... You think in this world at a, at a place that the money wouldn't... Even though the money's going to, going to, go, going to a good place... Someone else's money is as good as the next person's. Everyone else should get a fair share of it. You'd think it would happen. 
It's, I'm not trying to be kumbaya, but there, there should be enough to go around for everyone. This is a brick-and-mortar store there that they get their first dibs. They were there in line hours beforehand. Maybe they think we have the right to do this. This is what I'm going to get at, though. What you, what you touched upon. People getting discouraged from collecting. This will discourage people. Yes. I've gotten discouraged from going to the flea market as, as much in the past. Well, I have a lot anyway, but it's, it's not, is it not as fun? People say if the collecting is not as fun. This stuff will turn people away. Absolutely. So you're running... You're, this is a fine line people running retro game eBay shops or stores have to deal with. Because, because you're running an, an eBay shop or you're selling stuff off Craigslist or in this case, which is rare for me to see people running a shop go out to these events to get stuff. You are running the risk. You're on the front lines with the same opportunity to buy this stuff as me or anyone else. You have to watch how you act. Because you we, can- know, we know that you have to get this stuff. But there's a right and wrong way to do it still. And if people know who you are, right, one, you're discouraging people from collecting because they know they can't go out to these places necessarily anymore and get anything. Two, that that discourages people from collecting. Three, if they're discouraged from collecting, and that means they're not going to necessarily go out to the mom and pop shops. And lastly, if they know that it's your mom and pop shop that was causing them to not find anything at these places, then they're probably not going to go to your mom yeah. and pop shop. In the end, it could hurt your business. Yeah, the, the amount of money profit they're going to get from these potential sales is not worth near the amount of money and bad PR they got from this. That's right. the bottom line. They may not realize that now, but it's going to trickle down. I mean, we're talking about it. We're not, And this isn't me coming down on you for what you're doing. I'm just telling you the reality of it. This is bad PR. No, I'm not I'm not trying to yeah. sound harsh in any way, shape, or no. form here. It's just matter of fact. They do what they have to do to get their stock. People don't like it. And this is how they've responded. And they've responded to the response and, and probably made it worse. Right. So, uh, like you said, this is the way it is. It's the business we chose to be in. I love, I love Godfather, too. Well, some of it. Um Hey, any other closing words, Ian? I want to talk about this too quick. Hustling backwards. Uh, if you feel the need, well, if you're running a store, this is how you get your stock. This is how you, 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 you know, this is how you make a living. That's fine. It, it will get to a point, though, which for me, it's gotten to other people where, at what point is it not worth your time to go to these events, stand in line for four hours to get a good spot to get some good deals on retro games? And how good are those deals going to be? Is it worth your time? Is it worth your time anymore to get up 6.30 in the morning, go out to the flea market, uh, and find deals on games that half the time you won't find anything anymore, otherwise you'll find moderate deals? At some point, you have to you have to factor your time being valuable to do other things, whether it's enjoying your life, sleeping in, or whatever else, going out to the park, going out for a nice, you know what, nice mimosa brunch, very underrated. Maybe you want to do that stuff. Maybe I'm talking to myself right now, because I'm getting older. But the whole point is that I'll have the mimosa, I'll skip the brunch. Really? Let's go to Bally High one Sunday. I Bally High, I'm all about. We should get them as a sponsor for the show. <laughs> anyway, I'm all about Bally High. At some point, you're hustling backwards. That's all I'm saying. You're you're working hard to save five or ten dollars. Your time is is more valuable. I think maybe depending on what you're doing. Maybe for me, it's more valuable. I don't know. I'm gonna shut up. So, um, video game exchange, Madison. You probably have some positive PR work to do to get back on the this you know the side of retro gamers in your area and, and potential customers. Alright. Let's talk about a top 50 games of all time list written by, oh, I don't know. Let's say 50 year olds. Okay, I'm going to go the opposite way, but let's get into it. Uh, uh, well, okay. <laughs> I, people who... 
people that don't know anything about video games. I, I think like 50-year-olds and 20-year-olds. There's probably like a fine split here. Someone that searched on the internet other top video game lists and just called for yeah, them. Yeah, this like, it just seems to be kind of a very mundane list. So Time Magazine has come out with the best, 50 best video games of all time. Now, no one's ever going to agree on all of these. Absolutely but not. There just seems to be... It just seems to be some weird choices. Well, here. I want to run down all of them, but I'll just say this: whenever you see these lists, whether it's um, Rolling Stones, it's like they they go for stuff that they think people want on the list, but then they got to throw in the edgy stuff that no one else wants on it. Right? You know, it's like it, it's always something like that. They'll pick an album, like okay, that's one I see. Then one like, what the fuck is that album? Like, where is that from? Where's that? <laughs> so this is kind of. I'm not saying it's the same thing. Let's start. Let's run. Fuck. Let's run them down. Okay. I the mean, top fifty. Of I, all will, time. I will do this, and then we'll discuss quickly. Uh, King's Quest Three to Air is Human. Never played it. I heard it's a good part of the series. Dota Two. A, a very a new game that's being played in, in arenas and on TV. So I figured they said, "Hell, we're gonna put this game in just because." Angry Birds. Come on. Okay. Okay, I mean, it, it's, it was it was a sensation. I don't. It, it's fun. Well, I don't know about it's, it. Goes back to the video game Hall of Fame conversation, about, right? About that. About is it worthy to be on the list? Yes. Does that make it the best game? No. no. Uh, worthy and greatest Guitar Hero. Get out. Uh, Resident Evil Four, very good game, but like w- what you're gonna see through as we get through this list is so much of this is skewed modern. Yes, all, a lot of these games are gonna be. Uh, that's why it's so weird that they, they had to start with an older game, not within the past 15 years with King's Quest Three. Uh, Gran Turismo Three A Spec. Uh, I mean, great. The Gran Turismo series is great. I mean, I'll give it that Super Smash Brothers. Okay, I mean, yes, the first one was fantastic. Um, it spawned a new style of fighting game. Once again, skewed very modern. Call of Duty 2? I don't remember Call of Duty 2 versus 1, honestly. And I honestly don't remember it lighting a fucking storm or a fire under anyone's ass. I'm just surprised they would do that and not Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare. That's what's surprising to me. Bioshock, really good, but System Shock and System Shock 2. But okay, but I can see why that's on the list. Sure. I can see why. Now, this is one where you and I are going to argue. ESPN NFL 2K5 is the single greatest modern football game ever made. Well, I'll defer to you because I always hear how great the 2K5, the 2K series this is. This is the best football Football game so, ever made in the modern so era. So this is them getting it right. Not yes, just, they not, got that not one just fucking spot. Not on. just doing a random Madden no. 2006. No. or that is was that the last one in the series? Uh, it game? was, and I, I I was so happy to see that on the list. I was like, I can't believe. So they this was that. this was the, the one yeah. Rolling Stone decision to get like some yes. Bowie album. I was like, oh my god! I'm like, that's a deep cut. That's actually right. All right, Pong. You picked that because you, ha- you felt you, you had, had to, to pick, pick that it. time. It's you felt so- you had to. It's not the best game. It was the first <laughs> game. But it's not the best game. It's not even the first game, but it's not well, the yeah, best. Okay, sure. tennis for two or fucking computer space. Castlevania, whatever. really good game. Um, I would not. That's but, that's not even a top fifty but, NES game, but, or barely barely a top fifty NES game. It's probably not even a top fifty. I NES would game put game. it in top fifty, sure. But you're picking it because you think you have to. Portal two, very good. Um, very good. Braid, overhyped piece of trash. <laughs> Sorry, guys. And you all call me fucking hipsters. I hate Braid. Overhyped piece of trash. Don't know much about it. Um, Fallout, Fallout 3? 3, really good. Gonna piss top, off a lot of people 50? because... Uh, nah, nah, nah. All right, Ian, this is a tough one. Galaga, yes. Top 50? Top 50. Galaga, yes. Uh, 
Not even as a maybe as a Namco fanboy, but not even as a Namco okay. fanboy. I think a lot of people will agree. Okay. Gale gets top fifty. Okay. Red Dead Redemption. No. No. <laughs> I've heard very good things about this game. So I bought I. the game. I have it. I still have to play it. I just I don't know. I don't think so. Well, let's put it this way: if this is on the list, I don't want to see a GTA game on the list because this is GTA in the old west. Super Keep Mario on. Kart. They chose the but they chose the first one though. First one is fine. Not the best one in the series. I felt like that was a nostalgic choice. You're gonna do you're gonna do the first one, yeah. Well, and not Mario Kart. Let's even... move on to 32 because we've got the clearly better choice. We we don't need Wolfenstein 3D on this list. Doom's on this list. I'm just spoiler alert. Okay, you Doom's coming it. up. Yeah. Doom's coming up. We don't need Wolfenstein 3D you, and Doom no, and and you 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 and everything else that's on this list. I think Wolfenstein could make a top 200 list, maybe. Sure. Or 250, not top We're not wasting a top 50 slot. The Sims, sure. Sure, it's in the Video Game Hall of Fame. Pokemon Red and Blue, yes. I'll give you a Pokemon game, even though I'm not a Pokemon guy. Mist. Mist. You know, I'll give you Mist. Oh, convoluted fucking mess, but, but yes, very it, important. It, it was more important. important for the time than even than fucking... Well, Pong was important for the time, but it led to a lot more than what Pong did at the time. Donkey Kong. Donkey if Kong. you have Galaga on the list, we got to put Donkey, Donkey Kong, Kong on there. But this I, fucking pisses me off. Mortal Kombat, and I'll tell you why in a bit. The first Mortal Kombat is more important than it is a, a best game of all time. I put two on before I put that, but I wouldn't put two it's on the list. It's not a best game. No, it's not. StarCraft Two: Wings of Liberty, I I'll think something... You. I'll trust you. I'll, I guess. I mean, the first StarCraft was, was, was great. I thought WarCraft 2 was the pinnacle of that sort of genre at the time. Halo, I, I Combat doubt, Evolved. Let's put this way. Okay. I doubt WarCraft 2 is on the list, and I love WarCraft 2. Well, that's what that's I was going to say. I, they, okay. okay. Um, Halo, absolutely not. Get that trash off my list. The first Halo is fucking awful. I, next, n- we're just we're also getting way too FPS heavy here. But next, there's Final nothing, Fantasy there, Seven. There, there, there's nothing special about the first Halo. If no. you want to get there, nothing special. It's first person shooter in fucking hallways. It's terrible. Final next. Fantasy Seven, massively important. A a good game. Okay. A good game. I'll allow it. Microsoft Flight Simulator Ten. You want to pick one that's fu- <laughs> I don't know anything about these differences. <laughs> that's just okay. It's like the two K times that the best one. Sure. Uh, I don't. I mean, yeah. Someone else. GoldenEye 007. Guys. I'll, I'd rather have this on the list than fucking Halo. Sure. That's for sure. sure. The first Halo. It's massively important to many, many people, Does especially bl- of the console generation. Doesn't belong in the top 50. No. Does not belong in the top 50. Diablo 2? Fair. All right. I don't know. Fair. Either. Zork. They, yes. The text Zork? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. No. You want to put a text game I'm on gonna, there? I'm going to say Zork. Yes. All right. The most important video game of all time. Space Invaders. <laughs> That's a deep cut That's joke. That's a deep cut joke. Um, <laughs> no. If you have Galaga on the list, you can't put Space Invaders on it. I think Space Invaders is probably deserving... Okay. Not a top 50. This isn't top 50 most important. This, this, is, this was made as a joke in an this is, this is where This is where the past 10 years comes from this list. This, Rise of the this, Tomb Raider! This was last year's game. Guys, we haven't had enough time to really put this into context. But, <laughs> what, what, was this two years ago this came out? Uh, yeah, it hasn't even been released for both systems, the PS4 Well, you're going to put this and not the original in. Uh, yeah. That's like, again, that's like the opposite of putting the first Halo in and not Halo like 4. Right. It's like, what are you doing? Half-Life 2? Sure. Sure. 
Grand Theft okay. Auto Three. You put you put the Western version of the game in. You can't have both in. I I, I feel like you get rid of Red Dead. You get keep rid of Red, Red Dead, Theft Auto Three because it was it Absolutely. was the first op- it was the first real 3D open world game that made mainstream success and was b- b- very important and very good. Which a game like Pong, you could argue, eh, probably not Space Vaders. Eh. Counter Strike, sure. Really? Okay. I, I mean, I, my Quake. God, we are so overloaded on first-person what, shooters. But what's so special about Counter Strike that that's in there? But I think Quake's more important. Than it was. It was a phenomenon. It was. It, it was the first. It was one of the first games that. It was one of the first team heavily team-based okay. online. So shooters. you're looking at phenomenon versus best. Well, it's still. I mean, it, 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 it held up in reviews. Okay. It, held, it held up in critical right. acclaim. Okay, Quake. Quake. I like Quake. I, the first real 3D first-person shooters don't think it belongs in the list. Okay, SimCity 2000. If you're going to pick a SimCity, that's a great one to pick. Sure. Final Fantasy 6. That and seven. What do you think? Do you get a six? I think is the better game. Seven was the more important one. I think to a larger audience. It's tough. Sid Meier's Civilization 4. Civ 4, I think, is probably the best, and you need a Civilization Which one is on the list. One is what came out? Five just came out? Five was the one... Not five just, the, but it was the most recent one. Civ is Civ 6. Five is was Civ. the one that made it hexagonal, and 4 kept it more traditional. 4 was hexagonal. Oh, it was? Okay, so 4 was, was not as good as 5. I think they're all hexagonal. 4, no, four, no, four no, is no. better than 5 they're in not my hexagonal. opinion. They weren't hexagonal until the last one or two. They were all squares. Oh, okay. Tiles. Uh, but I always hear that 4 was the pinnacle. I think, what, 6 is coming out? Soon. This year or last year? Then. Soon. Yeah. Again, another game I can never play. I love 2. I lost the whole summer too. If 4 is just an upgrade of 2, then I agree. 4 is and, amazing. And Civ 2 used to be like PC Gamer's number one PC game of all time. Like, it was up there. 4 is great. World of Warcraft, never played it. It's obviously popular for a reason. Sure. The Oregon Trail. I know you guys love the Oregon Trail. I know you guys love the I Oregon love Trail. I love it. Is it a top 50 game? I think is it, it, a top I think 50 it game? deserves to be on there because it's... Okay, the only, deserve, it's the only educational, educational game on Does it there. deserve top ten? Maybe not top <laughs> okay. ten. Maybe maybe lower. Uh, and okay. I would argue that Carmen San Diego is a really good one too. Super Mario Brothers, the first one, absolutely. Yes. If you want to put just one on there, put the first Legend one. of Zelda. Absolutely. absolutely. People are gonna say, Why is that there not Ocarina of Time? Minecraft has I'm, its I'm place. Too, I'm too old. Uh, yeah. I'm Minecraft. I'm too old. Ms. Pac-Man. Instead of Pac-Man, all right, I'll give yes, it to you. Yes, it's the better game. It's a, it's the better game. It's the most popular arcade game of all time. Doom, yes, no sure. question, uh, no question. Doom there instead of Wolfenstein, instead of Quake, even instead of instead of fucking Halo, Legend of Zelda, Ocarina of Time. Okay, so they put that one too. People think that's the the best Zelda. I would game. argue swapping that, but but okay, okay. Super Mario, Mario 64, sixty-four. I would also swap. Them. So now it's really weird, though. It's really weird. This is how the numbers are working. You have two, the 62, uh, 64 versions next to each other versus the NES ones. That is weird. Tetris at number one? Absolutely not. Not at number one. Not at number one. I don't know what you put number one, but it's not Tetris. I just don't think it's Tetris either. Sure, it appeals to everyone. Sure, it's the best puzzle game of all time. It, it, it fathered the genre, basically. Uh, but no, it's not number one. Can I tell you what, um, what really pisses me off on this list? What, what, something that's missing? Mortal Kombat made the fucking list. Street Fighter 2 did oh, not yes. make the fucking list. That is, wow. I, yeah, Who I'll, made I'll this that, fucking yeah. list? I don't know. Is there? Is there? Is that on here? How the fuck does Mortal Kombat make the list, but Street Fighter 2 doesn't? Absolutely. You're absolutely right, Ian. 
I don't like saying that, but you're right. I should have thought of that <laughs> sooner. <laughs> no, no, I, I, no. When I first saw that, I, I mean, my, my, back of my head is like, "Where's Street Fighter Two going to be? Top ten? No, dude. I literally, I, I literally scrolled back and oh, forth. Oh, like you 10 cheated. Times okay, I try to keep myself dry on this. Yeah, to check, and I was like, "It's not. It's not on here. It's not on here." Well, also, I, I'm not counting, but they. Oh, okay. No, no. Never mind. I thought they jumped a number, but yeah, there's no Street Fighter Two on this list. Oh, this is by uh, the the list of people up front. Uh, I'm not going to say their names. I don't want you to go after them on Twitter. But there's like seven people that put together this list. And not one of them thought to include Street Fighter 2. Yeah, and in the first Mortal Kombat, not even like 2, which I think 2 is an awesome game. 2 is like the only one I actually really, really like besides like 10. Mortal Kombat X is any other, any other glaring omissions that, uh, off the top of your head? Probably, but I'm just really upset about Street Fighter 2. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of, a, you know what, I'm kind of upset about... Pac-Man not being on the list, but having space. I was I was upset about Pac-Man as well, because, and then I because, saw Miz because this blended the line between okay, this game's really important versus this game's one that is the best. You know, like there's like Super Mario Kart should not be in the top fifty. This the, the Super Nintendo version should not be on here. Hell, you want to put eight on here instead? Yeah, you know, or even the sixty-four version instead of the Super Nintendo one. The Super Nintendo one has problems. You know, yes, it started that genre of. I really like Kart. the Super Nintendo one, so I have less of an issue with it. Okay. <clears throat> All right, so is that it? Is that we end, end that's the it. Games. We do. Do you want me and Ian to do a top fifty games of all time list? Oh, that's me. You know, we probably would agree on a decent amount. I think so. Uh, I, I I probably would put you know others higher and lower, but they, they, you know, We're let ready. us know in the comment section what you think belongs in the list that wasn't there. That's that's what called comment bait is right there. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Goldeneye, which made it onto the top fifty games of all time according to Time Magazine's website. This comes from RareThief.com. Is that it? Rare? Company mm, Rare. Yes. We all know it up. So there was a planned but canceled GoldenEye 007 game that was uh, targeted to be on Xbox Live Arcade. Uh, basically a reskinned remake. Mm. And what's cool about it is somehow uh, a video came out online showing at least like, a handful of levels that were done. And some of the multiplayer levels, and it looked like they were. And you could swap between like old school graphics and new school yeah. graphics on the fly. They did uh, during the, the gameplay. So it showed several missions. You had damn facility, surface, cradle, Aztec. Um, they did a, they did a multiplayer for a couple of rounds, but it was only one player, so it wasn't much they could do besides shoot the other guy when you, when you ran into him. I believe they retooled some of the levels for multiplayer, including I think they said damn was one of them. So, I'll, I get on GoldenEye for having... I hate the multiplayer experience on 64. I was used to playing, you know, Duke Nukem online. I played even Doom a little bit online in the day. I thought, what the hell, what's so special about this game? It's because at the time, not everyone had computers at 96. Right. You know, when this came out, it was in 95. Uh, not everyone had computers, 96, 97. So, it was a big deal to play a first-person shooter, but also play competitively even on a TV that's you know only 30 inches you gotta have four people looking at it I could understand it but since that wasn't what I was used to I didn't like it I same like, no, that was, that I was, didn't like the joystick that was my beef but I think the single player player campaign is still really fun mm-hmm. I think it's a damn well put together game for the time especially they didn't have a huge amount to work with with those you know that's the best they could do with those you know polygonal pieces at the time I really like the objective based nature of the first person shooter sure you had to find. I'm sorry, the single player mode. Sure, you had to find keys. You had to blow up little stuff, little security cameras. You know, there was a part you had to shoot out the bottom of the of the rail car with your watch. They, they and it followed the movie for the most part. They did a good job with it. Outstanding soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Fucking brilliant soundtrack. So 
I just could never get into it because of the limitations of what I, what I talked about. And plus, honestly, you know, it, 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 it's, it's somewhat dark, a lot of it. It's... It, Odd job and Jaws were cheap ass characters. They were cheap ass characters. But that was the one of the cool thing about the remake. They mentioned uh, they had an option to make everyone's height the same, or the hitboxes the same at least, so that they lost their advantages based on their height, which sure. is pretty cool. So, so what I'm, what I'm trying to get at in a roundabout way is that this version looks really fucking cool. Yeah, it looks like a lot of fun actually. So when I first started watching, I'm like, huh, well this. We're, we're, this is a ten-year-old game at this point. This isn't, you know, Xbox game. Twenty-year-old. Well, I mean the, the remake. Oh, okay. But even ten-year-old, ten years old. I'm like, wow, is that what it looks like on the 64? Then, so when they switch in the middle of the gameplay to the 64 version, you're like, holy shit, does the 64 version look terrible? <laughs> yeah. It's like, wow, they couldn't even do anything with the sky, could they? It's just like a gray mess in the sky. So I would have played and enjoyed this version a lot if this had come out. I would have bought it probably on my 360, which I haven't turned on in like three and a half years. I would have bought it and played it. Um, so, I can't remember why, because I think we... No, we wouldn't have mentioned it. Um, they did end up doing a Perfect Dark remake. They did. For the uh, 360. I bought it, played it with my friends. We really enjoyed it. And I can't remember if they did that first and then tried to do the... Uh, the. I think they tried to do the GoldenEye one, canceled it, and then did the Perfect Dark one. And I'm trying to remember what went wrong and why they wouldn't have done the GoldenEye one because it probably would have sold more. And I, I initially thought it would have been a rights issue, but Rare was still under Nintendo at the time that Perfect Dark happened, so I'm wondering... Nintendo has publishing rights to GoldenEye, at least that original game, I think. I think that's what it was. But wouldn't they, they would have had publishing rights to Perfect Dark as well. Maybe it was a different deal, but I think... What, yeah, I, I, I just don't understand the legalese, well, I guess, yeah, of re- it. Remember, they came out with a GoldenEye game, but it was a totally different game. They used a Daniel Craig character, sure. different levels entirely, so they kept the name... Wouldn't that come out about 2010 or 11? Yeah. They kept the name, but totally different missions. Yeah. And so that was their way of keeping the name. But yeah, I think Nintendo had to give sign-off in order for this to happen. So why would Nintendo give sign-off on an Xbox Live game? You know, I don't don't see that happening. Yeah, but that GoldenEye game ended up coming out on PS3 and 360. But it wasn't the original GoldenEye game. Right. Okay, okay. I I I see what you're saying. I think Nintendo has rights to the original game. So, but somehow they didn't retain rights to Perfect Dark or something like that. That's, okay, that makes the most sense. Otherwise, it would have come out. Why, right? Why not? Yeah. But I'll just say this: like, I, one of the reasons I would have played this game. One of the worst things about the original GoldenEye is the massive drops in frames at certain times when there's a lot of shooting going on or explosions. It goes to like ten frames a second. Unplayable. Which point. is why Perfect Dark required the expansion pack. So this eliminates that. This it looks it looks beautiful for well at this point a ten year old game. Uh, it looks great. Uh, it was it was cute that they still managed to like you know probably had models of probably developers on like the guards and everything. Looks like they, they updated that, but it's the same as that game. It's just we just have updated uh, you know sprites and models versus what we had the ten years before on it. It looks beautiful. Um, so check out the video. Not a huge amount more to say about it, except it's smooth. And if you love the original levels, maybe maybe this can get released in some aspect. There was that remake, though, that people did. It was a fan game that they redid it with modern sprites. I, yes. never, I never played it, though. So I can't comment on that at that point. So, Do you have any fond memories of playing uh, GoldenEye back in the college days or high school days? Or? No, not really. And it's just it's for the same reasons you said. Like I said, I enjoyed the single player for what it was. Um, the multiplayer, I never so much got into. One, because Kevin... <laughs> Kevin! Because Kevin was a dick and always cheaped the shit out of the game. Um, two, 
and it's not, it was it's not to sound like an elitist, but it was for the same reasons as you. I was just used to Doom and Duke Nukem and having good control of a game. See the problem. Right. The problem with Goldeneye was that like I couldn't get comfortable enough. I never played it enough to get comfortable enough to figure out which of the four control schemes I liked the best. You know, same. so I was like, oh, is this the one? So have, using the the joystick as the mouse kind of works, but I'm not still not used to it versus you know a keyboard and mouse. I'm just like. I was yeah. the kid who was like, after a few games, I was like, "Can we play WCW versus I, NWO?" And it's not like, and it's not like I had to win, you know, all the rounds. Yeah, I'm competitive, but I didn't feel like I could even, I couldn't go even up to like half my standards playing it. I was getting slaughtered by everyone, you know. I wasn't used to the weapons. I wasn't didn't know where the spawn points were, and I didn't know where the armor, the fucking armor was. So I felt like I never had a chance in hell to even get even remotely good enough to have fun. I sure. could I could even be middle of the fucking pack, or I or if we played enough, I can get middle of the pack, which still a control scheme that I didn't like. So I was like, all right, screw that. Moving on to the oh boy, this is the slaughter Ian segment. I don't think it's a slaughter Ian. So you don't have to preface everything with <laughs> with that every segment. Uh, the VR mode is being added in Dead or Alive Extreme Three, and uh, it's a little little concerning. So, they're adding the VR mode, like I said, to Dead or Alive Extreme 3 for the PS4. Extreme 3 is the volleyball game that they had two in the past. Barely volleyball at this point. But it's bikini girls everywhere. They do, like, jump up and down. There's, like, fashion shows. You're on an island. It's a fantasy world, basically. Right. Which Which is fine. I even said that it's fine in the past it's just there's various reasons it was not coming to the u.s and i don't believe it had anything to really do with sjw's um but this is a little creepier to me um basically the vr mode uh is is allows you to zoom in um ogle you know check out and touch using the vr controller um you know the various models and uh well i guess you could say women some don't necessarily look quite like women in the game um, the, the the problem is um, a lot of them when you touch them and poke and prod them um, are actively uh, refuting your advances and saying no and flatly asking you to stop. Which uh, in Japanese? In Japanese, which is um, that's uh, that's sexual harassment and assault. It's not like it's playful. It's uh, them looking concerned, and uh, that to me is. Uh, beyond creepy, and uh, that that doesn't so much fly. Let's let's just point out. I'm looking at the video. So it, on the screen, it's like, well, obviously when you're playing it, I, I guess you might. I don't know if you see a hand or not, but it's like this little silver ball with a with a, like a spike on it, or like a little feeler that you're using. So this video is it's actually a humorous video, just because it goes back to the guy like looking, trying to look at the boobs like that, yeah, and then trying to get in close uh, with that. So. This isn't out here. I'm not sure if this is one of the reasons this didn't come out here because of this mode. But again, this is a new mode they're putting in, so right. I don't know if this was always planned. Uh, my my sort of take on this is that: Are you surprised this is in the game? Is it really that shocking that a game where only no, it no. only exists to this is not se- sexualize women uh, from a fighting series and put them in bikinis that barely cover anything up? Are you surprised that this will be a VR feature in the game? No, that's not surprising to me. It's the whole fact that they're like, no, don't, stop. That sort of thing is not particularly okay with me. So, do you, do you think that maybe 
Trying to, I'm trying to think. Do you, That's do you, not particularly cute or coy. The, the game is... Is there, it, is there a way of putting that mode in that would have made it okay to you? Is there a way of putting it in the word of being like, oh, they would have been like, laughing or giggling? If or, it was giggling and, and stuff like that, it would have been... Look, VR is, is going to go in that direction. It is. But if it's obviously that, you know, if... if, if I, I, I Look, I realize that the, it, it's fake, but if it's... That's uncomfortable to me. When it's cheesecakey and it's virtual beach volleyball and it's it's bikini swimsuit dress up, that's one thing. But when you're crossing the line into them being uncomfortable, that personally is making me uncomfortable. That's, and that's, your, that's your that, line. That's just I'm not into that. So right, that's basically where I'm. This is the first time I think that we're, we're seeing, or we potentially could see a bigger response to this. If this came out in the U.S., I think it'd be a bigger deal. No, I think uh, that would be, that. then I think you would see a much larger outcry. But this is the direction we're going with VR. We're going to go into places that are either be titillation, and what titillates others may not titillate you or me, and you're going to go into probably even darker areas than this. Oh, yeah, you sure um, are. You're going to go into first-person torture and serial-killing games. Oh, yeah. You're going to go into stuff a lot. First-person shoot-up-your-fucking-school games. Yep. They're going to be They're gonna be on the way. I don't think they're not going to be. So, I'm not saying you, you, you can selectively or you have to be selectively mad or pissed off at different things, but this is a tip of the iceberg, and to me this is going to be the, one of the more innocent uh, VR experiences versus what's going to come down the line. Personally, it's going to be like, you do whatever you want, if people find it fun, play it. I don't want to do it. But let's just... Oh, I'm just saying for something yeah. mainstream, it's... Oh, sure. But you don't think there's going to be first-person or VR like GTA games where you can just... No, I, I just said up. that this is the direction yeah. that VR is oh, going yeah. in. I'm so, just saying but, for something well, mainstream, that's a little uncomfortable. Sure. But what I'm saying is this is the future of... of if they're, if they're going to really push VR, the future of VR is going to be the next GTA game. You're going to be, be able to beat up hookers in, in VR. Oh, now. yeah. You know what I mean? So... Get ready for it. You're oh, gonna, I know. You're going to be able to torture people for information in, in, in VR mode. Because, uh, well, well, in the past, it was mostly sex, not violence, that pushed technology ahead, like VHS and the sex industry glomming onto VHS instead of beta. One of the reasons why VHS took off. It helped with, with the 90s, with uh, virtual reality and full motion video. Sex, sex leads the way with a lot of these technologies, and that's what they market to. So, you know, it's uncomfortable to some people. It's not for me. But, like I said, in the future, there's going to be a lot worse stuff than having a little silver touchy thing on a virtual boob. It's going to get, it's going to get, this is, this is the first, the like first sign of this, yeah. There, there are ways where that would be, there are ways where I would look at that and be like, uh, okay. And then there are ways I look at that and I'm like, no, not, not my, not my thing. So no virtual motorboating going on for you anytime soon. I, uh, no, no, <laughs> no, no, no virtual sexual shit where they're obviously uncomfortable and that sort of thing. And we don't like to talk about Kickstarters too, too often anymore. Well, we do every once in a while. No, we still talk about them pretty frequently. Oh, okay. Well, we have it in about a month at least. Uh, Let's. Talk. I don't. I don't know how to frame this one. Okay. I don't want to seem like we're, this is low hanging fruit at all. Is it low hanging? Is there such thing as low hanging? This is fruit low hanging fruit. But the Oton X, the first artificial intelligent game. <laughs> the Oton X, the first artificial intelligent game console. 
Uh, in the video, they go on to call it an autonomous video game console. Autonomous, meaning it, it thinks for itself and acts by itself? Yes. Um, in the okay. video, they uh, initially start off by showing it, um, you know, doing uh, 3D racing games, some platforming games, some action-adventure games. Then they go on to tell you that the Oton X... <clears throat> the Oton X... Uh, will make its own games for you. Uh... And then if you want to dip your toes into making games, you can do so uh, with no coding knowledge. And you can do it with just a few clicks on some menus. So then later on, um, it tells you that uh, right now the Oton X only does um, 2D games. So what the Oton X does is... Well, Belka, what the hell is this thing? So you turn it on. It's a Linux computer... Right in an off-the-shelf shell, which looks like almost like an old uh, freaking cable modem I used to have 15 years ago. It's, it, it starts yeah. at only three hundred dollars. Sure. Now you turn it on, and it gives you a menu, and uh, it gives you, it starts populating the screen with icons, and uh, these are the games that the Oton X autonomously yeah. creates. The, I think there's like okay, there's supposed to be like eight games, like a fighting game. There's pictures of. There's a 2D no, game. No, but it, it, it doesn't actually do that. If you watch the video okay. all the way through, it only does one type of game. It does the 2D platform. That 2D, that was game. it Kid Destiny or whatever it is? I, I don't know. I don't. I don't know <laughs> that you name them whatever you want to name them. Name them, but it only does one type of game. It's a 2D game. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, uh, basically, it changes the goals and it changes some of the sprites. It changes the amount of enemies that populate the screen, uh, and this is what's known as autonomous game design. <laughs> And creating its own games. So in some games, like, the goal will be to collect, like, 15 coins. It's vague about this. So if I'm wrong about any of this, you know, let us know in the comments section. <laughs> or defeat a number of enemies or reach a goal. Um, and they make it sound like it's uh, never-ending gameplay and it's the greatest thing ever. Uh, it is Kid Destiny, by the way. That's okay. the 2D platform. I, I don't really know. I, I mean, I just don't have a whole lot more to say about this other than... Okay. I mean, it, it, it says that it's they're working on it being able to create all sorts of games, but really what this is, is it's giving you a base game and then randomly generating goals, types of enemies, amounts of enemies, and yeah. difficulty levels. And it starts at $300. dollars Let's talk real quick about the comparison chart between this and traditional consoles, which I thought was pretty funny. Oh, I don't, I don't think I actually got to see that. So oh, you didn't? No, I, did, I, I was looking. Okay. I was looking Compare for... Compare Oton to traditional consoles at 279 versus 299 And all these, all of these, the uh, Oton has, but traditional consoles do not, Ian. Free unlimited games, check. Instant new games, check. Oh. Privacy, check. New games daily, check. Resell Oton games? Resell them? What? How do you resell an Oton game? I, I guess you can create your own games, which are really just randomized levels, and sell them to other parties. Autonomous system. Check. Use your created game options. You can, Yeah, because yeah, you can't find that in any other games on traditional consoles. There's no game options at all. Unlimited storage! Unlimited storage, I guess, to a cloud? And <laughs> social game sharing, because you, you, know, you can't share your experiences on traditional consoles. All right. So, yeah, there are, like, eight games on the menu here. There's a shooter. There's a Kid Destiny, which is the only one they actually show off that actually exists. A game called Fight, which is a fighting game. There's a first-person shooter, which I think show, they showed off briefly. 
uh, it's like a card game, like poker, a racing game, which is just a picture of an of a like an like an indie car, and another one I can't make out. So there's also a autonomous level creation video. Did you see that with the gentleman sitting down in front of the Linux based PC? Yeah. Uh, yes. So this video is about a minute long, and the Oton logo comes up on the LCD TV, and then. At that point, it's a strange video of him clicking boxes on the screen and not actually running the game, which I guess shows, like, I want this option in the game. I want, I don't know, this sort of level, or this is the point goal. And I... It's almost... It's not quite the point of if The Onion or, you know, like, wanted to do a parody of a video game console Kickstarter, it would be this. But it's it's right at the doorstep for that. Uh, for this, are you are you just silent because you're trying to figure out what this is? I'm trying to find the part where it says it only does the 2D. Okay, because that's all they show in the actual. Um, it, when you're looking at actual gameplay. Oh, and it says screen images simulated. So, like, it doesn't actually show any like real oh, gameplay. I was gonna say. So this isn't. There actually isn't a usable prototype. There is a video of them opening up the. The shell and looking at it, which is more you can say about other Kickstarters. Yeah, <laughs> which is good. I mean, yeah, there's, yeah. there's more here than other Kickstarters. They show the inside of the shell showing showing a real PC board. I don't think a DVR capture no. uh, device. So the goal is at it's actually less than I thought. It's only at twenty five thousand. Will it reach it? No, probably not. Uh, so, I, like I said, I don't want it's, it's low hanging fruit, but you have to have something better than what looks to be. I don't know, like an app level 2D platformer on display as your game. You really, know? I mean, that's somewhere in that video they talk about how the 2D game is really all that's running right now. Right now, and well, I'm sure because they only have screenshots of like a fighting game. It's an art of two people looking at each other. There's, there's nothing there. And yeah. well, what I'm seeing, I saw, it, part, I saw, I did see footage of some first person shooter real quick. So did I, but I don't think that I think that's sizzle real stuff that's not actually running yet. I think all that they have running is the platformer stuff, and like I said, basically what they have is a random level generator. Sure, and that's not going to fly at three hundred dollars. You can't. And, and I mean, the thing is that it's two seventy nine. They have six thousand two hundred forty-two dollars at twenty-five backers, but they had twenty-five backers when I checked this the other day. Who knows if that's family, friends? Well, do you want to look at some of the comments? I mean, uh, I followed the Oton X for a long time. I, okay, I'm happy to see it on Kickstarter now. Can't wait to try the console. Good luck. I'm excited about this system. I like the fact that I'll always have new games on my system when I turn it on. I really want these guys to reach their goal. I've been a fan of this system for a while. Has this been on E3? We've not known about it? I haven't heard about this console before. Did, did I miss the Oton X booth a few years back at E3? I've been a fan of this system for a while. I, I, I like that I'll never have to buy games for this Oton system. That's a big plus for me. Alright. So we have a few people that may or may not be shills for it. That I'm really looking forward to Oton. I've been friends with Derek since he came up with this idea and have supported him the best I can. I want to support an independent game company to change the face of gaming. Really looking forward to having Oton on my television. I don't want to poo-poo people's dreams. I really don't. I feel, I'm feel i feeling nasty talking about this because this, 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 isn't a, this isn't a fucking $2 million cash grab 
like other Kickstarters were. No, it's not. It's it's, it's, it's a reasonable goal, and I just the video. They need to tone down the hyperbole. Yes. This is going to be your another Ouya sort of no. thing. No. Not even, okay. It's going to be something playing a, a handful of games that were developed by this individual that will have a, a, a level randomizer. Which is cool. That's that's neat, but I just don't know you about don't, that. You don't, need a, you don't need a console to do that. Right. You, just, you need software to do that. You don't need a console specialized to do that. Exactly. Come out with the software and try to sell it separately. There's the advice for me. And then a positive note. Develop the games. Don't worry about the hardware. Just do the software, and maybe I'll get you somewhere on Steam in the future or something, and, and that's the best I can Yeah, say. you don't need hardware for it. All right. Not, we're not totally destroying your, your hopes and dreams. This is a sports crossover story. We rarely talk about sports on the CU podcast. But being that this has to do with video games as well, we're going to talk about it. Colin Kaepernick uh, is a talented quarterback uh, for the 49ers. He had a couple really good seasons a few years back. Right. Dropped off the face of the fucking earth for some reason and then couldn't play anymore. Like, he just his performances was poor at that point. So he's fighting for his job in San Francisco. He wanted He, he, he said, I want to be traded, and they didn't trade him. I think what Chip Kelly is keeping him on for whatever. So who the fuck cares, right? Well, what happened was uh, it's been two games now in preseason. Which three. Oh, he's he, done in three games. He sat for two. They didn't notice he sat okay. uh, until he sat for the third. Okay, so preseason football to me is like practice. It's, it's worthless. But the only thing that's come out of it this whole preseason, besides people getting injured because it's preseason, it's football. It's dangerous. Is the fact that Colin Kaepernick has been sitting during the national anthem during preseason games, and now people are finally aware of it. And so um, people are like, what the fuck? He said, um, basically, it's to spotlight uh, the injustices uh, against uh, blacks uh, with police shootings, Black Lives Matter. So people are split, what the hell, blah, 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 uh, about it. Whether he's right or wrong, whether it's the wrong venue to do that, other athletes have come out and support, other athletes have come out against it. It ain't going to go away this season. Uh, real quick, not political. I think it's his right to do that. Whether or not you think it's stupid or not, it's his right to do that. I don't fucking care. I think it's his right as well. It's right to do it. I don't fucking care. Okay. But what's cool about, or, or not, is the fact that the Madden game is going to work this into the game somehow. Because in the Madden games, which is doing something that I didn't hear before, I don't know if it's the first year, but they're going to update the game throughout the season with new commentary for play-by-play and, and talking about the teams almost weekly, it sounds like. That's a really cool idea. To sort of reflect what's going on uh, in the season with players and what's going on with the teams while you're playing the games that week. I'm pretty sure they've done it before. I think it's interesting that they're doing it on something more political. Well, for what the news is going to be is that they're going to only briefly mention it, like probably right. in passing. All right. I, well, I don't expect them to get into it politically. Sure. I'm saying just the fact that they're even mentioning something more political is what's interesting to me. Because even I do, throwing I, it out there. Yeah, I do believe they ha- they do update, and I think they have for a couple of years, I do believe they have updated minor commentary like that. Uh, I, I think it's interesting that they would even mention this. Well, what, what could be interesting is this, the fact that, I don't think it's going to happen, but there's always a chance that a team could release someone. Remember, remember, in, in football, there's no guaranteed contracts for the most part. There's there's a few people who get franchised, blah blah blah, blah. but for the most part, most contracts aren't guaranteed. They could drop, they could release him, they could trade him, they could just not play him. And 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 if you have to comment on why, well, he's not playing not because of injury, but maybe maybe they they released him. And this is why they released him. Sure, you don't know. I think they're setting up just in case to explain it because on TV they they probably wouldn't get to it too much week to week on TV, but they'd have to mention, yeah, they're not playing Kaepernick, 
uh, this is why. Because from what I hear, you know, I'm not sure if his performance is getting that much better. It has been the past couple of years, but you know, this could be the sort of nail of the coffin, at least on the 49ers. He wanted out anyway. That could explain it. If he gets traded in week five, this could be part of the reason the guy explained it. You know. So I just think it's interesting that, that uh, yeah, I guess these guys get together. The two people commenting, no more Madden, unfortunately. Uh, you have Brad and Godin and Charles Davis uh, who come together. I guess they're going to have them each week go in the studio and talk about what's going on with the season. The fact that Eli Manning still can't count to 10, but I love him. You know, whatever, stuff like that. And uh, <laughs> poor dumb Eli Manning. Two-time Super Bowl champ Eli Manning. Damn it. Uh, Patriot Slayer Eli Manning. Anyway. So, anything else to add on this before we get into too political? No. I'm sure the comment section will be very clean. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it will, too. I'm, I'm avoiding my more political thoughts on this. All right. Oh, the Super Nintendo, Ian, your favorite console, turned 25. You forget it. it came out in August in 91, uh, in even yep. though I didn't own it until that Christmas. Um, I don't think it really picked up steam until that fall. Remember, there wasn't really any launch titles at first for it. No. There's only a couple. And they started feeding them in. You got you got Castlevania 4 in the fall, and you got, you got you started to get other ones. But at first, you had, what, Super Mario World? And you had, what, Pilot Wings? You know, so maybe there was no reason to own the console for the first, like, three, four months, really. Yeah. Um, my buddy got it fairly early on. I think he got it for that Christmas. And, um... That's right. I sell my Christmas presents to get it that Christmas. That's right. I, uh... I had already had the Genesis... You know, there was at the time I wanted one. I mean, I I had no idea. You know, I mean, I was a kid. Um, you know, obviously my uh, my my uh, impressions of the Super Nintendo had not yet been formed, and of course I wanted a Super Nintendo. But I had just bought a Genesis. Uh, my brother and I had bought it together um, after you know raking leaves and shit like that. And um, there was no Breaking way my those buffalo leaves. There was no way my parents were going to buy us a Super Nintendo when we had just bought a yeah, Genesis. Sure. They saw that as being plenty. Um, but my buddy, my buddy Kevin, uh, stop bringing up your asshole friend Kevin. <laughs> well, he was the one who I, fucking got all this shit. Well, it's the same Kevin as my Kevin. It might be the same one. Might have. They're all the, they're all the same Kevin. <laughs> all the same Kevin. Um, he got it for Christmas, and uh, I mean that's the thing is, is I don't really look at Mario World as my favorite Mario like now. It, it's always really um, been three. It's always been three for me. Um, but at the time, as a I kid, th- as a kid, I loved Mario World, and I think it was because uh, the Mario game. I didn't have, you know. So I I, I played it all well, the time when I went over to his place. I never had Super Mario two and three, so jumping from one to that was like holy shit. Sure, yeah. but uh. I remember, you know, that was a that was a fun Christmas when I'd end up over at his place, you know, for those few months after, you know, all of us playing Super Mario World and, and stuff like that. So, I mean, those are my memories of the Super Nintendo coming out. Uh, Street Fighter Two came soon. Whenever Street Fighter Two came out, ninety two. Yeah, later ninety um, two, or, or I think it was summer ninety two. Yeah, I we believe. played the living hell out of that game, um, and I was not so very. I wasn't like super good at it, and bought a you know, Capcom World. Remember Capcom World? Bought a Capcom World for eighty dollars. Eighty dollars in ninety-two money. That's a lot of allowance. I remember being. Uh, I remember him being a dick, and uh, he knew how to do the Dragon Punch before I did, or not the Dragon Punch, the Hadouken. Uh, Hadouken and he wouldn't tell me how, and I figured out. You I figured the instruction manual. Uh, no, I I, I didn't. It, I didn't know where it was. I don't know if he fucking hit it or what. But I figured it out, and then I figured out the dragon. You had Nintendo Power. I figured out the dragon punch before him. Oh, I looked it off Nintendo Power. Oh, I did you? Oh, yeah. I, I, 
I figured out the dragon punch before him and wouldn't tell him. So there was like one day where I could kick his ass because I knew I knew both of Ryu's moves. Um, I don't think I figured out. I don't think either of us really figured out the kick, which we probably should have because it would have just been reversed. But anyways, yeah, those are the two games I remember the most from the Super Nintendo. Yeah, also, going launched, over there and also launched with the uh, F-Zero Gradius 3. And SimCity were all other other launch titles. See, I loved F Zero. There was this big stereo place, like independent stereo place, and my dad would go there every once in a while when he was building his hi fi. And uh, they had a couple Super Nintendo set up at launch, and I would sit there and play F Zero. F Zero is still one of my favorite Super Nintendo games. Oh, it's it's a damn good game. I should borrow it from my friend Kevin. So let me borrow it. Really? Yeah. Oh, Jesus or Christ! From... <laughs> wait, 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 wait! Hold on! No, wait. No, I owned F Zero. I actually owned it. Oh, okay. I think. Wait, it's so weird because I only owned. Here's the thing about Super Nintendo. It came out at a bad time uh, for me, just because, like I always said, I was getting into PC gaming more and getting a CD-ROM. Yeah, it came out July '92. Yep, I remember uh, in, in the U.S. for Super Nintendo. But it just came out at a bad time uh, because I was getting into PC gaming, getting my that good old Sound Blaster 16. Ooh. <laughs> Full voice audio in a game, and ooh, you know. So it was just a bad time. But I still, I only had like seven games for the Super Nintendo. At F Zero, I think. Uh, now I'm so fogged. I, I remember all my Nintendo games, but not Super Nintendo. Star Fox, Super Mario World, King Griffey Jr. Baseball, Stanley Cup Hockey, uh, F Zero, I guess. <laughs> you know, I guess I had F Zero, and I think I had one more game that I can't remember right now. Oh, I Madden 93 is what I had. And that's it. Those are the ones I had. So I didn't even get to the point where I could have got into other greater titles like Donkey Kong Country and other ones down the line. Which, okay, Donkey Kong Country, for the record, you want my thoughts on it? Looks beautiful. I think it's a good game. I think it's a little overrated. A little overrated. I don't think it's the end-all be-all. I think it's fun. That's what I think about Donkey Kong Country. I just put that at my friend Sean's house. Nicer friend. Hold their story. Anyway. Uh, so... So I never really got into it, and that was the time I was getting out of Nintendo Power too. So that was like the wind down, you know. Once you got like into the seventies Nintendo Power, I was renting some though. Like so I'd rent like Super WrestleMania, which was terrible, but it was fun at the time. I was like, oh, you know, the kind of looks like Hulk Hogan. No special moves for anyone, but whatever. Everyone has the same seven moves: a body slam, a throw, a, a fucking elbow drop, and that's it. You know, that's all you had—a drop kick. Yeah, I don't remember Hogan doing a drop kick ever. You know, uh, so it was—it was sort of to me. The, it was always a natural progression of the NES, but I think if I was younger, it would I would have stayed with it longer. I was too old for it at the time, and with my experience with the PC, I had gotten out of it. Obviously, it's a great, great console. You might disagree slightly, but you know, it was the natural extension of the NES. Never said it was a bad console. I never, it's I never not said the it. console for me. It was the natural extension of the NES because you had the same, you had the same uh, franchises for the most part crossing over. A lot of the same gameplay elements from the NES that were perfected. Yeah, you had some Mode 7 bullshit thrown in there. Mode 7 was always a gimmick for the most part. Yeah, Mode Super- 7 is what made F-Zero. That's true. Super Star Wars, you had some levels. I guess. Most part, though, it sucked. They just threw it into games. Yeah, they threw it into Act Razor, didn't really need it. But for the most part, though, the same gaming elements were the same. Besides Mode 7, I mean, you had 2D games for the most part. Yeah. The, the, the few 3D games couldn't pull it off properly. For the most part, on, on the system, Super Faceball, yeah, it's, it's kitschy, but it's not a good game, right? You know, is Doom a good game with Super Nintendo? No, no. <laughs> you know, so, um, so, I'm, so, it's sort of a, the reason why I never want to get like a full Super Nintendo library. That's one of the reasons why is because I, to me, it would be, it wouldn't feel right 
because I never had that attachment to it like I did the NES or TurboGrafx-16, or even Master System to a smaller extent. This never had that attachment to it, and um, yeah, I, I, it sort of faded away out of my childhood. It, it just sort of like Street Fighter Two, Star Fox, some you know editing all the player names in Ken Griffey Jr. Baseball, only to have the game freaking lose it all in the battery. We have to, we have to redo it with put shitty Bobby Bonilla's back name back in on the Mets. And that was it. That was it. It was sort of like, it just sort of like never got going for me. It was like, yeah, it was always like one game I played, but then gone. Or renting. Like, I, I probably rented a lot more games than I ever played. Like, I think I probably rented like Maximum Carnage, for example. And rented, right. rented even probably NBA Jam. Or it was, a game, it was probably a console I even played probably more at other people's house, playing at, at my friend Jeff's house playing like, like NBA Jam at the time, or my friend Joey's house playing NBA Jam. And then complaining that it sucked compared to the arcade versions because everyone looked the same. And it was only two heights. You know, like, you know stuff like that. You know, so it was always like spoiled for me, I think, that. Or, you know, hating Mortal Kombat on it because there was no blood. But then sticking around and playing with my friends and having Mortal Kombat 2. Oh, Mortal Kombat 2 was actually pretty good on the system. It was pretty close uh, translation. So it was always like in and out of my life. And it was, I always forgot it was there. And that's the best I can say about it. It didn't. I just. My experience never got even 10% of what I got with the NES on Super Nintendo. So. How is it to be remembered today? Oh, well, we'll see in five years when they come out with the Super Nintendo Classic Edition and see how well that does. Time for some wrestling talk, Ian. We haven't done some wrestling talk in a while. We're in the new era of the WWE. That means no more roided up monsters, no more people that put, you know, trying to push people that no one cares about. You know, we tried that for two Royal Rumbles in a row in WrestleManias, and that was a big fucking waste of time. Right. Because then your, your guy never gets over, and then he ends up getting hit for a wellness policy. Fucking infraction. What's been going on in WWE? Well, you have a brand split that happened. Just like it happened like 10 years ago, they split the brand for like 3 years and then went back together. Uh, we're, we're there again with it, which you, you pretty much have to do at this point. Yeah, there's uh, this is from an outsider's perspective. I've been keeping up here and there on uh, reading up on it. And I need to get back into it because it's it's looking more and more like something that would actually entertain me again. I'm still paying for the damn network on a monthly basis. I might as well freaking use it. Might as well. Um, I haven't stolen your password in a while. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, Kevin Owens winning the belt. The, uh, the Universal Championship, stupid name, but they figured they need a world title because because uh, Dean Ambrose, was, who's a champion, was drafted to SmackDown. Right. And so they went like a few weeks, like, yeah, we need our own title after SummerSlam. And it's like, all right. So they did a... They they had Seth Rollins fight Finn Balor, comes in from NXT ex NXT champ, comes in and basically within a month, gets a title shot, and then wins it, which is like holy shit, which is fantastic. I mean, he, he deserved is, it. Uh, he comes in and wins it. Uh, he was he was the demon character already, which I thought was too soon, but whatever. They wanted to do that and play that up when he puts all the, the pain on him himself like a demon. Unfortunately, though, he's like separated his shoulder during the match from the, the fucking running power bomb from Seth Rollins. Maybe they the should arcade. stop doing that one. Maybe they should stop doing that instead of the fucking curb stomp because the curb stomp never hurt anyone, and this moves hurting people. Yeah, you know. Anyway, so uh, so he had to relinquish the title. He's going to be out like six months. He already got surgery. Just terrible fucking timing. Just terrible. You know, guys like Dave O'Brien over and get hurt. Well, Finn Balor's not close to being as over as Brian is, but you know. Uh, so then they had to do a, a tournament, uh, not well, kind of semi tournament. Four people get into the, the elimination match, which was this Monday Night Raw, and it ended with Triple H coming back, and he hasn't been around since well, he's been around for months. He's been around since WrestleMania. Comes back in, uh, Reigns on the outside after Big Kaz got eliminated. It was Big Kaz, Rollins, Roman Reigns, and Kevin Owens fighting, 
and it was elimination style four way, which means which is the proper way to do it. Yes, you wheel it down to one on one. So Kaz got eliminated. Good, get him the hell out of here. Not too impressed yet with him. Um, uh, Reigns gets pedigreed on the outside by Triple H with Stephanie and McFoy looking on in shock. Throws him back in. Rollins pins him. Now you're down to one on one. Rollins versus Owens. Triple H walks in the middle of the ring. I see it coming, but still cool. The crowd went nuts. Looks at Owens. He thinks he's going to attack Owens. He kicks Rollins in the gut. gut pedigrees Rollins. Owens pins him. Owens in shock gets a title. So I guess Triple H is now behind Owens. So it's like, wow, okay. You have Owens your champion on one show, and Rollins in the mix, and Baylor in the mix on one show. The other side, you, you have uh, Dean Ambrose, who's very deserving. Yes. Was, way, was over way more than Reigns ever was. And way overdue. Yeah. Uh, and then he just even fought Ziggler at, at SummerSlam. So, like, Ziggler was in the title hunt, which, again, they fucked up Ziggler. He, Ziggler they should, should have been champion after Survivor Series, what, 2014. And they screwed that up. He was, he was red hot and they did nothing with him. And so, Ziggler's freaking fantastic. He's good, but he's at this point, he's honestly go somewhere else because his time has passed in terms of what they should have done with him. Yeah. They dropped the ball with him the same way they dropped the ball with guys like Bray Wyatt. Mm-hmm. You know, who should be in contention, which maybe he will be. But the whole point is that now you're finally doing what's right, knock on wood, where you're not, even though Reigns is still getting pushed to a large degree, I'm knocking on something. something. It's, it's not wood. It's, 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 it's not some chemical. Wood. Yeah. <laughs> uh, chemical screen. Um, so it, it's it's great. And plus, AJ Styles is uh, went over Cena cleanly at SummerSlam. Yeah. Uh, which was f- fantastic. That's that Cena once in three years losing cleanly match, so you have to use it right. So Styles is fucking awesome, which everyone knew, but I think he's exceeded everyone's expectations of how over he'd get this quickly. Because everyone's like, oh, he doesn't, he's not the right style. Uh, pardon the pun, he, he's not good on the mic. His mic skills have been pretty, he's been good. He's been pretty good. So much so that he's, you know, he, they, he, they had him lose to Jericho at WrestleMania, which was a huge mistake, I thought, at the time. But rebounded, got into, he, they turned him heel. I got him in with, with Cena and putting on matches of the year with Cena, which was everyone thinks, and still thinks that AJ Styles is arguably the best wrestler in the world. And now, uh, reportedly, Mr. Man's like, well, I should have had this guy 10 years ago. I wish I had, would have had this guy 10 years ago. And, you know? and now in, in NXT, you got Asuka going over Bailey. Um, who's uh, now in WWE. Uh, yep, who that's signed up to WWE. You had uh, Nakamura go over, I believe, Samoa Joe. Yeah, so you've got... You've got uh, arguably a send up for Samoa Joe, oh, that's or, or soon, or soon. Um, well, because I believe he, he gets because it was a title match, he should get the he should get the rematch, I believe. But that that should be a Samoa Joe send up soon. So uh, I mean, everything's looking good, and like I, I'm at the point where, um, especially with a little bit more free time on my hands, uh, you know, I, maybe I will start catching up on some of this stuff and. Uh, it's good because I mean, honestly, I, I I've been missing wrestling, but for so long there, I just couldn't bring myself to give yeah. a shit. And I even and even the mid card stuff they're doing, they're doing a best of seven between Cesaro and Sheamus. They've only done a couple matches, but it's not a bad program to do because the winner will get a shot, I think, at the IC title afterwards or something. So it's like Sheamus is carryable, and Cesaro was great. Yeah, so, I mean, so and then they're they're both rough and bruising. It's good good uh, matches between them. So. It seems like they got their ducks in a row now. I wish they'd done it sooner, you know, way back when. Um, and then I want to talk about the Miz real quick. He cut a stunning promo. I, I asked you to watch it. You still have to if you haven't. It was on the SmackDown After Show where Brian is on. Brian's the general manager of SmackDown. Mick Foley is of Raw, and it seemed like there was a little bit of truth in in like they. It's always the best when you work in a little bit of truth into these promos and allow these guys a little, to, to little go shoot off. with your work a little bit. 
And for the Miz, it, it came a little bit close because in in this they were talking about the Miz and Ryan comes out. Remember, remember, and, and I think behind the scenes they're friends, so they're. They probably knew what was going to happen. Maybe not to the extent. Who knows? But it worked because, hell, I got, everyone was talking about the fucking Miz, who's an IC champ. But so we're like, yeah, it's the Miz, whatever. But the Miz does a serviceable, serviceable job. He's a good heel because the Miz realizes the line where you're not supposed to get yourself over as a face, as a heel. Because a lot of heels, I think, fall into that trap yeah. where they try to be cool when you really shouldn't be. It's not your fucking job to be cool no. all the time. You know, that's why I don't like Triple H's character a lot because Triple H is a heel, but then he'll say something to be cool against another heel. It's like that's not the point of it. You're confusing my mind trying to follow a story of a character being consistent. Anyway, so the Miz, Brian says, uh, basically, I respect the title, I don't respect you, and then runs down the Miz for being a coward and and then for wrestling too safely, and saying that when I was an indie guy, he even says it. Brian says it. I said I was an indie guy. You were you were the the model of soft WWE wrestler that we had. Like if I if I said I want to put together a WWE wrestler, you be the guy. And the Miz, I don't know how much real reality was in there. Fucking it went off, got in Brian's face, and said, "You calling me soft?" He said, "I haven't been injured for ten years. I've been wrestling for ten years." You're saying oh, I said I lo- I love the fans. I'm here. The way I wrestled, and I've been allowed to be IC champ, and I'm here, and I'm still here. He said, "Where are you? You know, you're calling me a cow. Where are you? You said you're gonna, you were going to come back, and you didn't." He said, you're going to come back for this belt that I have, and you didn't. And then he went away. And he said, he said you're a cow. And then Brian actually said, which I, I think he got in trouble for probably, he said, if I was allowed to come back, if they let me come back, I would. He actually said that on TV oh, in wow. response. I was like, ooh, okay. That's not really retirement then, is it? You know? Yeah. And then he said, and then uh, the Miz said, and there's some truth to this. He said, if you really were passionate about wrestling still, you would quit and go wrestle in the bingo halls. Which he could. <laughs> if, you really, if you really wanted to, Brian could do that. Like, yeah. he really could. You know, get out of the contract or at some point and say and wrestle. So it was uncomfortable, but it was great because that was the most probably anyone has cared about the Miz in like five years. Wow! You know, since since he was in the main event of you know WrestleMania, you know against Cena, that's like wow. Okay, all right, Miz, you got my attention. Let's see if they can run with this, and I'll I'll be watching SmackDown to see if they if they do something with it. I don't know what they can because Brian can't yeah, wrestle him, but it was interesting. So I think that's what it always comes down to with these guys is that. Uh, let them let them go a little bit, go off script and see what happens. And some guys might fail, but at least you're not going to have the same old tired fucking scripts uh, every week. We can just tell their okay, what am I supposed to say? What am I supposed to memorize? Let them be themselves and work more reality into it. And I think that'll, I don't know, I think it'll be fine. So that's what's going on with WWE. And I'm not saying I'm fully back in yet, but I'll be I'll be watching SmackDown. I can't remember the last time I ever said I'll be watching SmackDown before. <laughs> I can't remember the last time I've said that. Probably since 2008 or seven, you know. Is that it? Yeah, yeah that's it. All right, you have, you have to watch for uh, Bailey, and I think Sasha Banks is injured too. Everyone's injured. Yeah, well, that's Sasha it. Banks, I, from what I hear, she's false injured for honeymoon and vacation. Time. Oh, okay. Then she then she dropped the title to Charlotte. Yeah. So oh, oh, I just will say this: they are dropping the ball on uh, Anderson and Gallows. Having them go from badasses with AJ Styles to now to uh, like, yeah. they're doing like these comedy vignettes, like wearing like doctor's robes and just like like what the fuck are, like what are you like what are you doing like like what are you doing they're fighting the New Day so and New Day's have been champion for over a year now they're getting, I think they're coming up on I think Demolition had the record for the longest title reign tag team someone's gonna correct me right away because wrestling fans are like that anyway it's time now for your Q&A Q&A time on the CU podcast alright so our first is most overrated and underrated NES games. This was Ugh. at MHS 
JPEG. Okay. JPEG or J- JPG? JPG. <laughs> All right. Most overrated and underrated NES games. Well, I think we're in unison on what the, the most overrated <laughs> NES game is. Without consulting a certain NES game, which is, Ian? I don't know. Oh yeah, Battletoads is easily the most. How overrated. did you forget that? You wrote that in your in yeah, your yeah, review. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's easily the most overrated. Um, but let's get into why it's overrated, Ian. It's a mess of stuff. I, I think it's a. I think Battletoads' biggest problem is it wanted to be too much. It wanted to be too many different things at once and perfected none. Yes. Um, if they had just stuck with a beat 'em up formula. It honestly could have been a great game. The stages where it plays out as basically a strict beat-em-up, um, or the segments of levels, because it can't even stay the same fucking game for one segment, um, it plays out very well. Um, but it's constantly changing what it wants to be, from a side-scroller in the uh, the ice level to the fucking awful the descent level to the snake stuff. Um, and then, like, I, I actually kind of like the snake level, but like, it, it's just it wants to the, be too many things for bike its own. Section, oh, which is, it wants to be too much for its own good. Yeah, I think I love multi-genre games. Don't get me wrong, but you have to do at least one or two of them like above average. Yes, I don't think Battletoads has any of them above average. I think even the beat 'em up section falters. Because uh, the collision detection's not great. It's those. not great, but also the fact that when you do like those big boots or big punches, you can fly off the fucking screen until into death. It's like, all right, it's cool. I don't think they thought it out totally. No. Like, it's cool to see the ram horns and do the charge attacks. I think it's like, if they, like you said, if they stuck to the one genre, you could have had something special. Because even Battletoads Double Dragon, they stuck to one genre or closer to it, and it's a lot much better it's game. A, it's a better game. Um, that's a big one, though, for, for overrated, I think. Yes. Uh, like you said, you said in your review, and so did I, you said it was hard to be objective even to review the game. Yes. Uh, be- because many will disagree. Nice-looking, ambitious. You said you sort of dig the snake level, but it tries hard, but ultimately I find it to be c- complete under trash. A title that gives the player its best moment in the very first boss fight and proceeds to screw everything up from there. <laughs> Yeah, not mincing words. That's <laughs> in the, re- the reflections part, not the, not the more drier review part. Uh, and I talked about how the pilot cartoon episode was created, but no one bit. Thankfully, there is a pilot cartoon of Battletoads. Yeah, that's very, uh, very overrated. But still not a bad game, more of an average game. You want you want to go underrated? What do you think's underrated? Um, that- I I think, uh, I think Simon's Quest. Is an underrated game. I think it actually plays. I think other than well, well, it's not terrible. You gave I think three and a half stars. Which sure, is good. which is my review. I, I think as Zelda Two is underrated. I think um, you're talking in general, not from your stance in general. In general, I mean, I don't know. Like I said, just I, I, I think a lot of people. I mean, this goes back to things that we've said. You know, are, are kind of colored by the present. Um, and, you know, people not looking at him in the past. But I think Zelda Two is an underrated game. I think Mario Two is an underrated. I game. think Shatterhand's underrated. Shatterhand is, you know, greatly underrated. But these are those are later games too that maybe not a lot of people got to play. Uh, Power Blade, by the same token, sure. is an underrated game. Um, Silkworm, Silkworm is an excellent shoot. We have fun every time we play that during the marathon. We have four and a half stars. I think that's a, I think that's fair. It's a fantastic game. Um, you know what? I don't think Silver Surfer's bad. A lot of people disagree. I think once you get once you get it down, um, once you establish how you're going to play it, it's not easy. It's not a bad game, though, I don't think. 
It's not awful. You really have to get used to the hitbox. Yeah, I think that's part of it. You know, one that I really like that doesn't get much attention at all that I think is underrated is uh, um, Battle of Olympus. Oh, great. Really yeah. fantastic game. Um, and doesn't get talked about a lot. Um, has that Simon's Quest Zelda 2 feel, but is not quite as obtuse. Um, it's not quite as hard to find your way around. Um doesn't bog you down with overly complex mechanics. I sure. really, I really like uh, Battle of Olympus. How about one that's uh, I think is well, you think Simpsons uh, Bart versus Space Mutants is, is overrated? I think it's barely above bad. I I think a lot of people buy it? that based on nostalgia, nostalgia and the fact that it's the Simpsons. I give it a star and a half. I don't think it's. I think the first level is very clever. And then after that, it turns into every other shitty Simpsons licensed game. It just gets worse. Like like the best ideas were in the first level, kind of like the yeah, toads. Yeah, exactly. Pro- yeah, because they were because the first level of Simpsons is very creative in how you go about. And you have to spray paint up. everything purple, or and, the fire hydrant, or bottle rocket. Yeah. After that, it's like, okay, just hop on the guy's head and get his hat. And it's just like, oh, okay, right. That's all you have to do. And then it gets like, oh, just collect the balloons or whatever. It's like, okay. So yeah, it's, it it's, it loses its uniqueness very quickly. Yeah. Um. I think that's really... I, I mean, is there one more really overrated one we could pick? I think that'd be more fun to go over a really overrated one. You think Danny Sullivan's a little overrated? I think yeah, we might have pumped it up a little more than it was. <laughs> <laughs> You're breaking kayfabe, Ian. <laughs> Don't break kayfabe. You know what's underrated? You know what? Fuck it. Uh, Super Spike V-Ball. And, uh, oh, it's great. And Kings of the Beach, both very good volumes. Oh, I don't like Kings of the Beach. I, I'll I, disagree with you there, I but think Super Spike is fantastic. I think they're both good for different reasons. They're, they don't play. They, they're, they're they're both the same beach volleyball, but I think they're equally as good. They never really talked about at least Kings of the Beach isn't, but the the play mechanics are so I think solid on it that uh, for the only two beach volleyball games, they, I think they got it. They got it. Super Spike on. is fantastic. It, it it may as well be part of the Kunio Kun Sports uh, series. It's sure. ma- well, it's made by the same people. Oh sure, it's Technos. Yep. Um, and it play and it plays like you would expect it to. I mean, you even play against Double Dragon characters. Um, but it's a really good game. Kings of the Beach, I didn't like so much, but I mean, I'll take your word for it. I, I'll have to go back to it at some point. Screw it. Spy Hunter's underrated. Uh, for, I think it's perfectly rated. Oh, okay. Thanks, Ian. Perfectly rated. <laughs> but I mean, it's it's a perfect arcade port. Again, most of the NES uh, versions are perfectly uh, or, are close. Perfect ports. Galaga, uh, the Pac-Man games. That's underrated. Fuck that. The Tengen version of Miss Pac-Man is insanely. The amount of features and options in that game are just insane. So if you're going to get one version of the game, don't get the hard to find. Namco release, you get the Tengen Atari version because it has freaking co-op modes, insane mazes that like disappear and other it, they went well above and beyond what they should have done for a straight port because the, the regular Pac-Man games okay, here's the Pac-Man arcade game. For Miss Pac-Man, we'll just throw all this crazy shit in and weird levels just because we, we had time to do so and some guy thought it'd be cool to do it. That's basically what the game is. You know, and speed up modes and not speed up you know, it has everything you ever play that version no you really should I mean it's it's a five story oh, well I've played the Genesis version which is oh, basically the same it's just yeah, yeah so you see yeah. all the different so, modes uh, yes stuff. I've done that like they didn't have to put all that shit in but they did no I can't think of I can't think of another NES game where they said well, we're going to include all these other options and features that we didn't have to do it to make this game better and then you go to the, the regular published uh, licensed version it's like okay it's just a regular arcade game it's like who cares it's like you, 
anyway, it's, it's like they put like, almost like their own guys doing level editors and made them do their own weird spiffy levels. Fuck it. Top secret episode's underrated. I'll say it. <laughs> Not Three Stooges, though. It's rated perfectly fine. All right. At AC Destroyer 333, if you could demake any modern game between 95 and 2016 to be played on NES, what would you pick and why? Well, it's kind of hard to demake a Super Nintendo game. You don't have to demake it that much, but I guess we can go there. Um, I, I think... And one, I believe, kind of has, but... Um, I'd love to see a fully fledged demake of something like Smash Brothers. I think that would be a lot of fun. I thought they did that. Someone did that. Um, on, on PC. They they may have. I think that maybe um, Project M has like a slightly demake the level, um, but Mario Kart or something like a Super Sprint. There's a Game Boy demake of, of Smash Brothers. Okay, Super Smash Land is called. Oh, okay. And then, um, so maybe all my ideas are taken. And then something like a Super Mario Kart, where it's like a super sprint with weapons. Now, there actually, there actually is a game sort of What's like it? that called Motorotor MC for. Uh, so super sprint with weapons. Yeah, um, like like but like a Mario Kart. Um, and there are games like that, but I would like but to overhead. see, but yeah, but more finely tuned in like a Mario Kart style. Um, I think those have kind of already been done, uh, but I, I just feel like with the Nintendo characters and the Nintendo panache, it would be kind of cool to see. Um, the Smash D-Make is pretty funny. You have Mario, Kirby, Link, and Pikachu, and there's two uh, special characters to unlock. Okay, then I, then gotta I, check I, I gotta check that out. Yeah. Um, I don't follow that stuff like super closely so that would be pretty cool um yeah I mean I guess I don't have a whole lot of thought off the top of my head would it be cool to see I'm trying to think it would be cool to see any like first person shooters become like running gun shooters like a la Contra or would that be too easy to do that like be easy but it would be fun make Doom like a Contra type of game Mm mhm it could be interesting um, make it make it like make it like Alien Three, where you have to go up and down corridors and stuff instead of. Oh, uh, that would be cool. Actually, they've around. done that. There, oh, they have. There is a Doom One remake. Jesus where, Christ! They've done all our ideas. Yeah, they've, they've already done that. Um, Why'd you ask the question out there? They've done it all. Doom they've One done D-make. all the good ones. There were RPGs that I wanted to see demaked for a long time. I wanted to see Final Fantasy VII demaked. They did that. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing Final Fantasy IX done with cute sprite-based characters. Final Fantasy IX was supposed to be a throwback-type uh, Final Fantasy anyways, so okay. that would have been cool to see. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing... Um, uh, God, now I'm fucking choking on this question. This is a bad topic. I mean, whoa, it, was a, whoa. it was a good question. Whoa. It was a good question. It was bad for me on the spot. It's always though. hard for me to think of like what do you rather see on like the NES? Cause it's like, Something like Bayonetta turned into like a side-scrolling beat 'em up would have been really, really cool. Oh, um, sure. I okay. think that would have been you know yeah, you got, really you fun. You, you can't keep the genre. It'd be tough. Yeah, It'd be but, really tough. But that would have been really neat to see. I think you could have pulled off a really rudimentary. Uh, you know, GTA, uh, overhead GTA on the NES fairly easily. Sure. I think you could have done that. Because yeah. you have, you have uh, Motor City uh, Patrol, which... Uh, Motor City Rampage, or Retro City oh, Rampage. so it's already been done. Uh, yeah, all yeah, that's already so been done. So I'm being on the NES, you have Motor City Patrol. Though. So, <laughs> so, yeah. It's all all been fucking done. It's this is the worst <laughs> question ever asked. Because uh, it's all been done before. <laughs> Everything we come up with. Uh, sorry, uh, done. Simpsons did it. Simpsons did it. Uh, I'm trying to look at games that different style that we can work in. And like, oh, it's it's all been done before, sir. Leave a comment. 
telling us what you want demade that hasn't already been demade since they all have been demade before. Leave us a comment telling us what segment we failed worse. Yeah. <laughs> this is from Base Guy Six Five Four. Knowing what you know, is there anything you would have done differently when authoring okay. your book? Anything done differently when authoring your book? I think. I think we took for granted the actual grind of uh, playing all the games and reviewing them. Sure with, did. You know, so so you play a game like I don't know. Even I just randomly turned to like one that I did, uh, Little League Baseball Championship Series. All right, a game like that. Maybe you can play through. I don't know, three games, four games. You get a feel for it. All the modes. You don't have to play it for a huge, huge amount of time. You know, a game like Marble Madness. You, you can play the game in like literally 10, 15 minutes and play through it. Plus, I played it before. That's not bad. But then you got a game like Silent Service, where you hear from people, oh, it's a bad game, it's terrible, blah, blah, blah. Well, then I have to take the manual, read through the manual, play the game, figure out am I playing it right, then actually get up to a competent enough level that I can start actually reviewing it. And figure out that am I competent enough to know how to play the game first? Once I'm there, now I can play it for a couple hours, and that's what I did with a game like Silent Service. Yeah, and then play through like a couple, a few missions. There's the um, the mode where you just go around on your own on your own and try to find trouble and blow up stuff. And it's actually a good game if you learn how to play it. So I think that's the learning to play some of these games. I think not that I took for granted necessarily, but it's more think time than I thought it would be. You know, playing through a game like, uh, I don't know, let's see, I played uh, Terminator 2, for example. And, yeah, I want to play through all that freaking game, because you know why? In that game, the levels are different. They, there's different objectives to them, so you can't just play the first level, the first awful level. It actually gets better from there. I'm not saying it's a good game. Eh, I give it a little above average because of different elements. But, I mean, it's it, you can't just play a game for the first five, ten minutes and say, that's it, I reviewed it. That, that only works for, like, an arcade game, really. Right. You can't do that for a lot of these other type of games. So that I would say, before Egan gives his answer, and then what's still haunting me is finding some of these shadow developers for these games, which isn't about the review, but more about trying to track down who actually did the, the port of a game from a PC version, who did the port of the arcade version. A lot of information is not easily out there. You have to really research and find it. And that's what really I think I stumbled on. I think I took for granted... Um, how much information was was bad on the internet, and I think if I had known better, I would have focused on that more up front, or dedicated at least someone up front to researching a lot of that for me, instead of going back and then trying to fill in the holes after the fact, because Wikipedia is wrong, a lot of websites are wrong, NES Guide aren't correct, and so a lot of information out there is just not correct. So those are the two main things. Um, I mean, my answer is I, I actually, you know, very similar to Pat's, it's, it, it's a grind, um, yeah, you, you got it's it's not it's not a cursory five ten minutes. You got to play the games for quite a bit of time. Ideally, you want to beat the games, but if you're not going to, you have to give you know these platformers, these adventure games, you have to give them a good amount of time because if I don't, take a game like Uninvited or Deja Vu or something like that, you can't just start off get frustrated and write it off as a bad game. You have right. to see how the puzzles make sense. You have to see how the progression goes. You have to see if things... You have to get used to the game's logic and see how it makes sense and if it's something that as you get into it, you get into the groove of a game. Um, Which is why I had one one person, Joey Rue, Clan Wolf, he reviewed all three of those uh, those games. 
they right. have an uninvited interest. Yeah. Because um, he's familiar with the genre. He knows the genre. He's played him before, so he can do it justice, and he wouldn't be someone I would quit after five, ten minutes. Right. Same with like those Koei strategy games. I'm the worst person to do it, Yeah. because I never played them really before, but I got a couple people that had played them, and they did most of the Koei games. and they, So they were familiar with the genre. They knew what to look for. They wouldn't turn on after ten minutes saying, I don't understand. Like, well, like us trying to play it during the NES Marathon. We yeah. don't know what we're doing, because we, we don't have time to learn it. And you absolutely, the number one thing is you cannot rely on memory. Um, I mean, to a degree you can. You can go into a game being like, okay, this is going to be an easier one for me to review. But, um, you know, you'd be surprised, you know, that... I can't think of any examples off the top of my head, but you, you could go into a game knowing you had as a kid, and you think you know it, and you'll go in and it might be a game that you thought you hated as a kid, and you play it, and it's better. And you can't... When you're looking at a list of, like, say, ten games you want to review that day, and you're looking for a shortcut, maybe, and you're like, oh, this one's going to be easy, you find yourself remembering that you you like it a lot more than you did, or you don't like it Uh nearly as much as you did, or you're forgetting a key mechanic, or um, you're remembering it in a way that that you've forgotten completely, Um you know, you, you really have to go back, and even on the games that you remember yeah, the most... Yeah, but one that you either liked more... Um, I'm trying to not. think. There, there were ones that were like that, um, but I just... Yeah, off the top of my head, no, I don't. I just know that they existed. I know that they existed when I went through and played them again. Um, Some like Skate or Die had to relearn how to play the different modes. You know, like, I, I couldn't do it... You know, a, a, a handstand or headstand or whatever in the game was like, oh, how did I do that? Okay, now I can do it. Now I can more competently rate it. But you had to knock out also the nostalgia factor. Uh, I feel like I did my best. There's a couple of games I went back to. Two games that I had as a kid where I was like, you know what? I got to deduct a half star because I think I'm being a little bit too easy on it. Uh, Three Stooges, I went back and deducted a half star on it. Uh, I did the same for a top secret episode. I think I downgraded from four to three and a half stars. And I'm like, I think that's more fair. I think because... I really was more familiar with it and grew up with it that I was giving it too much of a benefit of the doubt uh, at the time. Uh, you know, so and others, others' difficulty was trying to knock out all the, I guess, you know, if you talk about a game like Super Mario 2 or Top Gun or people are like, oh, this is a bad game. It's like, Top Gun's not a bad game at all. It's no. like, so you try to just block off all the shit you hear the past 15 years about that game is bad or, or maybe the game's better than, than it should be. And then you try to going cold and just go in like it's hard to go into a game you have thinking you never played it before but that you have to try to do your best for ones like that you know so. alright alright um, this is from at Hobby Drifter what if any personal rules do you follow when building your collections huh um I have a few the rules of collecting they're, they're fairly basic um I think they're common sense rules at, at this point. Uh, for me, is I, I try to, I'm really trying to be more space conscious and and money conscious, uh, especially now as I, I dial down a, a little bit on my one job. Um, excuse me. So I don't buy anything that I don't intend to play at some point. Usually, I, I won't buy anything that I don't intend to play within the next couple weeks to a month of buying at least cursory or to check it out or to have some fun with it. Um, Generally, systems that I have sold off games for, um, such as uh, my NES, 
my Genesis, my PS2. Um, I do not, I will not even allow myself to browse them at conventions. Uh, I won't look at them when they come into the store. Uh, I just stay away from them unless they pertain to uh, genres that I really, really care about. Uh, so these days, that's basically uh, scrolling shooters or like mahjong titles. So while I've sold off like my NES collection and my PS2 collection, I will still buy shooters for PS2 or say a Famicom mahjong game. So you're just gonna pare down to just a few genres you want to focus right. on. But mostly it's PC Engine, which makes it very easy for me. Um, you know, that's what I look at for at convention. So I have to play it. Um, it has to be something I want to play, or it has to belong to a, a genre that I want. Um, also, I have a pretty hard limit of um, not going over about 70 to $80 on a game, um, unless in very rare instances, it's a shooter that I want. Um, in which case I have to gauge how badly I want it and how good of a quality shooter it is, in which case I've gone up to about 200 spent out of pocket. Um, but I get my money's worth out of shooters because I play the shit out of my shooters. So those are kind of my rules. The only systems that I really like will allow myself to browse at conventions are black and white Game Boy games, um, portables, mostly... Um, Black and White Game Boy, Neo Geo Pocket, and uh, I like I really like DS and 3DS games. They look nice on a shelf, and you know I'll, I play my portables a lot in PC Engine. That's kind of what I've limited myself to for space and to keep my video game collecting just in check in general. Oh, so this is kind of tough because I'm not really building it anymore. I hate to say it. I mean, at this point, whatever. The only things I'm really looking for are buying or are really rare titles that fall into my lap or someone presents me with a, an opportunity to buy it or to get it. Or or if I'm looking for, like, manuals for NES games, which I think is fun because it's like sifting through manuals. It's like looking for comics almost. Sure. It feeds on that. And and while a lot are expensive, there's still some that are cheap I can find. Uh, yes, I can buy them on eBay. What's the fun of that? You know, I'm down to about 100, less than 100 manuals left. So that, to me, is fun. But in terms of rules, I mean... I, I'm a different sort of collector than Ian since I'm more completionist for certain ones versus, oh, there's some systems like Super Nintendo Genesis where I'm looking for a specific titles at this point. I'm not, I don't want, I'm not going to get all of them. There's no point. Uh, like, for example, I think I'm looking for like Wild Guns on Super Nintendo, but who isn't? But I want Wild Guns. Uh, my rule, though, is just that just, uh, you know, try to save, try to haggle, and don't spend eBay prices if, if you're at a convention. I mean, then why, why buy at a convention? You know, if, try to go at least below eBay, whether it's 15 20%. You know, haggle where you can, and you know everyone saves saves you save money. The, the seller saves their time, and they'll they'll make less on eBay after PayPal and eBay fees. Um, I try to do business with people I like more than not. In terms of sellers, I see some of these conventions or people that I go back to that give me a good deal on stuff. Um, not that I try to freeze out other sellers, but it, it works itself out. If you go to sellers that constantly don't have good deals, you're not going to buy from them. You're not going to you're not going to have any sort of rapport, but other guys that give you a good deal, you go back to them and you buy more and then, every, again, everyone wins. Uh, my rules, though, in terms of other collectors and everything else is don't screw don't screw other collectors over. Because word gets around uh, about backdoor deals or being an asshole or trying to sell them something at worst condition or, or trying to, uh, you know, just the dishonesty. Keep the dishonesty out of it when dealing with other collectors. Uh, just don't do that. It's just not. It's just not a good look. And I think if you're honest, even with sellers, 
you you win in the end more too because people remember you being honest people remember you looking out for them and they'll come back and look out for you uh, like, like I said the Ian and other people that you know I, I would have never have gotten uh, I think the gray one without being honest obviously but I would never gotten the gold one if I wasn't honest about the gray one and about the pricing involved and the pricing about the gold so it all worked itself out. It's, it's sort of the honesty helped me get more things versus being dishonest. Being dishonest only helps in the short run. It doesn't help in the long run with everything in life, whether it's business dealings, whether it's relationships, whether it's friendships. It never helps. Uh, even white lies, I think. Yeah. Uh, but just try to be upfront as you can, and then it should hopefully work itself out in the end. That's my rules. I think it became a life topic, life advice there, but it works with, it works with collecting anything else. I think. I know. Am I crazy? No. Not crazy, really. All, All right. right. And the last one is, uh, I'll ask this one. At TX Wrestler 44 do you think when GameStop got out of retro gaming, well, I guess they mean 12 years ago, they're back in it now, that created the current retro market and small shops? Um, it certainly created the boom um, because there was a gaping hole left. Um, and I think uh, more Funko than GameStop because I seem to remember GameStop getting out of it quicker than Funko. Well, they bought Funko and, uh, cl- and shuttered it. Uh, well, I sure, but, but what I'm saying is is Funko existed after GameStop stopped selling, say, NES cartridges. Um, and then GameStop bought them out. I, I know this because GameStop stopped selling... NES cartridges in Buffalo, New York, but I could still drive down to Erie, PA, and buy uh, cheap NES games from Funko well, for a little while longer. Well, at least in New Jersey, they consolidated them all into only three shops in the state. They took all the okay. retro games, took them. This is after, I think, GameStop bomb. They, they consolidated them all into a few Funko lands in the state. You had to go okay. there and find them. Uh, this is just my experience, because in Western okay. New York, there were no Funko lands. I had to drive to Pennsylvania. Okay. Um, Let me see when they bought them. Yeah, I mean, it definitely uh, created the boom. There was a hole to fill. However, there were still small small uh, video game shops in, you know, Buffalo, New York. Uh, Mom and pop shops for everything, I think, have always existed. Um, but yeah, people didn't always want to wait till the, week- till the weekends to go to flea markets. Um, flea markets weren't always as cutthroat, but there were always people who were into these things. And at the time, smaller market meant less of these booths, so you, you still kind of had a level of competition. Now, obviously, it wasn't as high as it is today, not by any stretch of the imagination, but you still kind of had to do a little bit of a hustle and keep your eye out for the good stuff. Um, so, yes. Um, and also, it was when places like GameStop... Uh, you know, got out of retro and when places like Funko Land ceased to exist, that's when I think the places like Luna that have been around for as long as they have got into the market and have been able to create stability in their business because that's when it was easiest to start buying stock because it was cheaper then. Uh, it was, or at least it was easier to get your business going then because it was easier to create that stock. It was easier to buy these things. It was cheap. Your markup didn't have to be insane to make a profit. Now, to and I've discussed this before, to buy your stock and then to market up to make a profit, you would really have to be... I think, I, 
look, I, I don't disagree with anyone who's upset by prices they see at a lot of these stores. It's ridiculous what they're charging. But you have to understand, to a degree, these are people who are opening shops in the modern era, maybe places that have only been around for two or three years, and they're buying their stuff at basically retail or just under retail. And for them to keep that those lights on, they have to charge these insane prices. Now, maybe that's just a, I mean, you can say easily that they made a bad business choice by trying to open a retro shop in the modern era. But that is, if you just take two seconds to think about it, that's why their prices are so high. A place like a place that, that's charging a more reasonable price for these games is because they got into it early enough had their initial stock, you know, got their business going for a cheaper mm-hmm. price, and now they've got their trade-ins coming in. They're paying fair for trade-ins. They've got their, their, their market value. So this is that was the time, more so than anything, that was the time to get your business going. So, yes, that was the era when... 2004. This was the era... Yeah, Luna opened in 2003. So 2003, 2004. This was the era when the people who saw the market, who were into the games and saw a, a hole to fill, this was when they were like, now that was the the ace time to start. It and it was probably lean for a couple of years. It was probably... I mean, well, it was lean, but it was cheap to get every, all the stuff. Right, exactly. But, you know, I mean, to, to, to hear, you know, the early days of Luna, you know, it was a lot of Treg working by himself, you know, and it was, you know, the first couple of years, there wasn't a lot of profit. There wasn't a lot of loss, but there wasn't a lot of profit. But then as time went on, you know, profit rose substantially as the market for it grew. But that was how you did it. Sure. So here's a history lesson. So Barnes & Noble... Buys Babbage's in '99. They then buy Funko in uh, da, 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 in May of 2000. So at that point, it no longer exists by itself. So those Funko lands you saw were then under control of Barnes and Noble, and then Barnes and Noble then takes GameStop public in February 2002. So at that point, Funko Land basically ceased to exist on its own entity in the year 2000. So. Um, so going back to that, I think what Ian touched upon was yeah. So at that point, Funkland was a big one, and, and whatever else was around there. Uh, my my software etc. I do not remember if my software etc. and electronic boutiques had used game sales. I think the software etc. might have had a little bit in the early two thousands, but I'm not positive. Like it, if it was like literally like a bin this big though of like some like if they had a Super Mario Duck Hunt. I remember we're talking early two thousands when I really started getting heavier heavier into collecting. But yeah, I went to Funko Land in 2000, we'll say 2003, 2004, they started getting rid- that's when they basically started getting rid of all their retro stock, which was everything, you know, from up to the 64 era, or I think it was up to the 16-bit era. I think the 64 stuff they still were stocking, I believe, but I'm not positive, uh, 12 years ago. But at the time, though, I was going to other stores, though, and other shops. There was, there was a place uh, along uh, Route 18, Route 18 Flea Market, which I don't think is there anymore. Had there was a guy inside selling retro games down the road. There was a little shop that had retro games. There was one on Route One, uh, a guy who had uh, retro uh, games. Uh, so they did exist here and there, but after that, I'm having a hard time thinking of them. I think a lot of them were. Let's see, there was one on Route 22 in Scotch Plains that did music, and then they might have still done video games or stopped doing video games in the early 2000s. So, yeah, but I think it took them a little while to get going, though. But, yeah, once you hit the middle of 2000, the first, whatever, the, the, the aughts, the fuck is it going to we can we, can we settle on a, a fucking term for a decade that's, that's six years past? Uh, 
midway through the aughts, I think you started to see at least in New Jersey, and then by that point, I think Digital Press was very well established, which is one of the best stores I've ever been to in New Jersey. Um, but yeah, but that was still the golden age of, of flea markets and getting 40 NES games for 20 bucks, like the garbage bag of games. That was still the era. So there wasn't the need as much, I think, of now to go to a, a, a retro game shop 12 years ago because this stuff was still cheap everywhere. You can go on eBay and buy anything you wanted for cheap. You know, or go to a flea market and strike it big more often than not. So really only, I think, the past five, six years when the, the need for that shop to go for a regular supply really came to at least to get a deal or to find something maybe you don't want to outbid 80 other people on an eBay for, you know. So. Oh, okay, what was I? Is that it? What are we doing? But, uh, but no, like it's Bison. Did it create the current retro market? No, it didn't create the retro market. There was always a retro market. It just grew. All right. Um, we got a fucking, uh, what we got? A Patreon? Yeah, Patreon. Ian allegedly writes on it every once in a while. It's patreon.com slash pixelsickle. P-X-L-S-I-C-L-E. You can see all our stammering and all our weird, awkward transitions from topic and all its full 720p glory. <laughs> you know, Ian slightly blurrier than me. Um, UltimateNES.com. You could order Ultimate Nintendo Guide to NES Library. It'll officially ship. We'll just say it starts shipping out soon, like this week. I'm going to get on them uh, to ship this puppy out so people don't kill me and put my head on a stake. And then uh, I got two conventions I'll be at. Uh, Retro Game Con in New Jersey, September 10th and 11th. And then Retro Palooza, October 1st and 2nd in Texas. Ian will be at his house playing Mahjong games <laughs> the next <laughs> week. Uh, what, do you, what do you have? Any, any appearances, Ian? No? No, not until, uh, not until Portland. Portland. And then the new year, uh, my goal for next year is to hit six conventions, if not more. But six is the uh, basically the number I'm guaranteed to shoot for. That's a prime number. We'll start in February, maybe at a convention. And then, uh, yeah, this will be online. Like us on fucking iTunes and Stitcher and Google Play Music and on YouTube. And, oh, we might have a Let's Play thing. Very soon. Starting up. We'll see how quickly me... Now, you know, E and I actually get along a lot better when we're just playing video games, I think, versus talking back and forth with each other. I think that's when we, we actually get to relax. Because we and Ian don't hang out that much anymore. We have to have fun. So maybe the video game will be like our date night. Yeah. When we play video games. You know? I still have to get you over to Frank's on a Sunday. You know? I don't know why you reject Frank's good cooking. All right. So, Ian Ferguson. Good day. I'm Pat Contry. We'll, we'll talk about wrestling again in, at WrestleMania uh, uh, next year. Not at WrestleMania. After WrestleMania. And, uh, I don't know. I'm just stammering now. I'm really tired and hungry and really losing my mind. I have to be at the pharmacy by 320. So. All right. We're going to end this day. <laughs> yeah. Bye. Bye.